Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Filmcast, a podcast about movies. I'm David Chen, and something, 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 something. But enough about Brick, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Joining me today is David Hardware. Glass onion, that chunky funion. Glass <laughs> onion, another fun one. <laughs> and Jeff Kanata. I wish we could get Benoit Blanc to investigate this podcast because every single week I'm killing it. Wow. Straight up murdering it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 You, you murdered that whole segment. Just <laughs> uh, but you, th- those are, of course, all vague and oblique references to the fact that today on the podcast, we're going to be reviewing Glass Onion, a Knives Out Mystery. You can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com and find us on TikTok, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, at thefilmcastpod. And of course, if you want to support this show, patreon.com slash filmpodcast is where you can sign up for ad-free episodes and exclusive After Darks. On today's episode of the podcast, we've got a couple of corrections, some uh, some minor news-related things to discuss, and then we're going to get into what we've been watching before we get to our review of Glass Onion. So, gentlemen, you know, on occasion here on the podcast, we make mistakes. You know, it does, <laughs> it is a thing that happens. Wow. I know. I know. It's a shocking revelation. Uh, you mean our weekly segment? With our weekest, yeah. yeah our yeah. weekly segment, I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, on last week's episode of the podcast, we incorrectly pronounced Paul Dano's name. It is Paul Dano. Um, now, not, not I did Paul not Dano. go back to listen to this, but I'm <laughs> fairly certain I recall saying Paul Dano and then everybody else said Dano and then I changed out of That's peer, how pressure peer pressure and works. shame. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a live demonstration of the the evils of conformity. So Indeed. I'm glad you got to experience it. That was actually what the point of that segment was. I don't know if well, everyone is aware of that. The last time I listened to you guys, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, a couple weeks ago on this podcast, we talked about the movie The Menu, which uh, I think we all mostly enjoyed. And I said, I-, I posited that it was likely inspired by a restaurant that I had been to called The Willows Inn. Now, it does, in fact, bear many resemblances to that restaurant, uh, in, both from the fact that you need to uh, take a boat to get to the place, and uh, it features a lot of... Uh, people making these extreme gastronomic wonders. Uh, But the actual restaurant that the menu is based off of is called Restaurant Cornelius, uh, which Mm. is in Norway. So I did want to call that out. Uh, And if you can go to TripAdvisor and see the restaurant, um, and it's uh, pretty amazing, like pretty cool, uh, other than probably uh, all the terrible things that need to happen for the food to be created. (laughs) You you will die there, potentially. So Yes, yes. Um, But... Uh, I, I think, you know, I, I told my wife, hey, I think it's actually Restaurant Cornelius. It's not uh, The Willows. And, and she said, I think part of the message of the, the movie, the menu is all these places are freaking the same. You know, exactly. Like there's, yeah. there's something yeah, yeah, about yeah. all of them that is similar. And um, so I'm not I'm not trying to back out of like me making that mistake. I don't I don't even think I, it was a mistake necessarily. But but mm-hmm. it's like there's something about all these restaurants that has a sameness to them yeah. that the movie itself is trying to take down. Um, right. But I did want to call that out also many people did email or tweet at me to say um hey by the way uh the willow's inn is shutting down (laughs) and uh that is because they did participate in uh lots of terrible as far Mm -hmm. as i can tell racist and sexist behavior as well as wage theft uh for which they are still in the process of going through legal proceedings so 
Um, not a great, uh, not a great restaurant overall, uh, but the food was good. <laughs> the food was good. Uh, do, do not support it, and I'm mm-hmm. glad it's shutting down. But uh, I certainly had a good had time. A great there. time. Had I a great time. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate your Yelp, Dave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I uh, true story. True story. Like the New York Times had a blockbuster story um, about uh, that restaurant. You know, the Willows Inn. And you, if you Google the Willows Inn New York Times, you'll see uh, the story that they wrote. Mm-hmm. And shortly after, uh, my friend told me about his plan to take his wife there uh, for their like anniversary or birthday or something like that. But he had not read the story. <laughs> and it's like, what do you what do you do in that situation? You know, like you got to tell them. Right. But, tell it, them. It's like, yeah. but it's like it's like it was so hard to get a reservation at this. You know, you got to plan like months in advance for this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So but yes, of course, I did tell them. But anyway, uh, awkward Wait, situation. What happened? What happened? Um, <laughs> just not didn't didn't tell his wife. Just like uh, don't read the news for a week. We're gonna well, go to this fancy restaurant, you know. Well, well, uh, I mean, to be fair, the the <laughs> restaurant, uh, like because of the scrutiny from the New York Times piece, like uh, the restaurant did need to make changes. Uh, but uh, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't know what happened with it. Let's just say I don't know what happened with that. Story uh-huh. uh, convenient. I yeah, I don't know what happened there. Um, but anyway. Did- did you uh did I've I've been to uh, molecular gastronomy restaurants mm-hmm. before and it, and the experience is uh pretty cool and different and neat and you know eating a bubble of flavor that pops in your mouth and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff it's all yeah. uh I found delightful and 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 unique and uh novel but that setting that aside I mean I guess maybe that is the thing but mm-hmm. if you can mm-hmm. set that aside did did you think that the food was that much more flavorful or, or is it just, just the novelty of it? No, I, I thought it was a, you know, I, I thought it was a, a great experience, which I would revise if I had known what was going on in the kitchen at the time. Sure. Yeah. You know? But I mean, that's not uh, your responsibility. Yeah. But, but you sure as can't a, taste the wage theft in this steak. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, I, you know, I'm regretful if I in any way yeah. contributed to the perpetuation yes, of, of, you know, terrible yeah. acts. Uh, but the food was delicious. I, I, I'm really into that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But but I, I think that uh, you know the, the Willows Inn is not the first restaurant to uh, fall because of these kinds of accusations. Um, and I think that what instances like the Willows Inn, and to a much lesser extent, thrillers like the Menu ask us, like the movie The Menu ask us to do, is to consider whether or not there's something like inherently abusive about mm-hmm. these kinds of restaurants, you know? Yeah. Um, whether or not, like, it, when you go to one of these restaurants, it's like magic, and, like, stuff shows up on your plate, and it looks like a freaking yeah. painting. And it's like, but, like, what were the conditions, like, what, what you know, stories sure, like sure, what sure. happened to the Willows and invite us to, to consider is, like, what were the conditions that, that allowed this to happen, you know? I think that's honestly um, one of my, as I've sat more with uh, the menu in mm-hmm. my mind, yeah, that's one of the things that I find to be a little uh, where it came up short for me is that mm-hmm. it, it, it like, you know, obviously it's a it's it's a um, a critique of each of the guests in the movie, mm-hmm. but it's also a critique of it, like there's nobody, there's no there's nobody that it it's sort of on the side of you know, and uh, and I I I kind of feel like it's. It's a yeah, bit like of a, everyone sucks in that movie. Basically. Yeah, it's a bit of a yeah. scatter shot. Like yeah. everybody's because everyone's a target in the movie. No one's a target. You know what mm-hmm, I mean? It just feels mm-hmm. a little 
but it, you know, yeah, no, have, a, it's not focused in my it, opinion. Yeah, it's it's fair, it's fair. But anyway, mm -hmm. uh, wanted to offer that correction. Now, uh, the other thing I wanted to bring up is, I feel like we are in the midst of uh, an AI revolution right now like we're gonna look back on this time and you know davindri tell me you, you study this like yeah. tell me if you think i'm right or wrong about this but you know decades from now we'll look back at like these last two years as like when it began mm -hmm. um i mean yeah we're seeing a lot of like learning models just really evolve very quickly right like gpt and all the uh ai art stuff we're seeing there is lenza the new ai avatar thing that everyone's yes. like doing right oh, now and questionable provenance uh, is so many things questionable yeah. about it i did it just to see like what it would do and yeah. it is both like some some of them are great some of them are absolutely horrific mm -hmm. um but this stuff is getting so good so quickly um i'm worried i'm also worried about the people in charge who are like hey don't don't ask questions don't look under the magic box, right? This is mm -hmm. censorship. And I think we're in a really uh, troubling place right now because those people have all the power, which is unfortunate. So OpenAI is an artificial intelligence company, and they actually launched a chatbot called mm -hmm. ChatGPT this week that you can actually try out. Uh, and I saw, you know, I started seeing people post uh, examples of exchanges they'd had with uh, ChatGPT on, on um, Twitter. So I started to try to use it. And it's pretty incredible. Uh, yeah. It's pretty incredible what it is capable of. Mm -hmm. For instance, uh, I asked it to describe the plot of Ridley Scott's Alien, but in the style of a children's story. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'll just read like a little bit of it. Once upon a time, a group of brave space explorers set off on a journey through the stars. Along the way, they discovered a strange and far-off planet that was home to all kinds of creatures. But as they explored, they soon realized that not all the creatures were friendly. In fact, there was a terrifying monster lurking in the shadows waiting to attack. The monster was big and scary with sharp teeth and long, slimy tentacles. It could jump out and grab the space explorers at any moment, and they knew they had to be careful. Uh, I'll end quote right there, but it, it goes on. And uh, that's just incre that's incredible that it, all that stuff, it, like that it knows what Alien is, that it knows what a, um, the style of a children's story is, and that it can create something on the fly that's in that style. Now, mm -hmm. uh, there's a, many people understand and have posted about how there's a lot of shortcomings to the chatbot. Um, like it's often factually wrong. Like it, yeah. it often, yeah. it often like pretends like it knows what it's talking about. But it's, in fact, like yeah. you could imagine it could produce something like what I just said, but <laughs> the the plot is incorrect. Like that happens all the time. Well, that, also uh, like in Aliens, the planet doesn't have a lot of creatures, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah there yeah, it's yeah. already wrong. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Already but, wrong. Um, but suffice to say, like the fact that it's capable of this, it just feels like wow. And you can have it write a new story. You can have it write an essay. You know, like. Um, stuff that I think we had previously thought, oh, well, yes, AI can do X, Y, Z. It can do all these things, but like they'll never be able to replace humans doing this. Uh, between Dolly and between ChatGPT, it's starting to open the question of like, what is it that humans are going to be able to contribute that AI cannot in the future? Yeah, you know? I mean, we will we will exist to feed the AI. That's basically <laughs> that's it. Well, like, I think it's funny that it'll be our job to keep the AI machines running. Basically, yeah, for, exactly. For for years, the assumption was, oh, AI is coming for those those service jobs. Mm -hmm. AI yeah, is coming yeah. for the for the the truck work, the truck drivers, and the and the and the you know the the all the jobs that don't involve creativity, you know? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. oh, the irony is they're coming for the creativity first. 
<laughs> it's kind of doing it all at once because there, yeah. there's a lot of automation happening. Yeah, there's a lot of automated right robots now. as well. So yeah, yeah it's yeah. just all happening at the same time. The robots but... have already taken jobs, and now the AI is just like uh, kind of finishing it up. Uh, <laughs> my my main worry though is that we, it's so confident at times, and people were talking about like, oh yeah, I had a conversation about physics, you know, a back and forth about the the rudimental uh, rudimentary elements of physics and whatnot, and it would just be wrong. But you wouldn't know if mm-hmm. you're a kid using it to learn. And like yeah. that is the sort of like, oh, trusted information is going to be, it's already a, a hard thing to find at times. And it's going to be even worse with things like this. Well, I know, I, I mean, I have a friend, I don't know how much I'm allowed to say, but I have a mm. friend who works at a company that is Cyber very guy. much doing this. Yeah. Yep. Um, a very, very big company that everybody has heard of. Uh, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, is, is the, it the Oreo cookie company? <laughs> yes. How did you, you now you've blown me up. All right. So the, the middle filling of Oreos is going to be AI generated from what? now on. It's going to be nano. It's going to be nano. <laughs> nano sorry. Just sorry favorite. Say. Just favorite. Yeah. Technology. Nano cream. Two delicious chocolate <laughs> wafers filled with nano cream. It could be whatever flavor you want. You know? <laughs> or a helmet. Do you want a helmet? Um, no, uh, the reason I bring this up is is uh, the the biggest hurdle is this the legality of of having a product that is unpredictable. So mm-hmm. the idea that you could like put something out and the interactions cannot be foreseen by the manufacturer, you know, so you could lit- literally have mm-hmm. a- anybody, child, adult, anyone, interact with a thing, and that thing, says things to that person that you can't predict that's not real good because all of a sudden that thing is like hey here's some information that is either not good or wrong or mm-hmm. or potentially harmful yeah and now that company is liable because that's the product that they put out that that is going to be a massive uh stumbling block for for this becoming a an actual you know if you because it's easy to imagine the all the science fiction you know idea of the the little doll that can talk to your child and can mm-hmm. teach your child and can like that new movie Megan looks fun. <laughs> right. I'm really excited yeah. about that movie. Looks actually. really good. I'm really yeah. excited. I want to. I want us to review that movie when it comes out. But anyway, yeah. go ahead. But yeah, so. but yeah, but you know, and it, all I, I think in a lot of ways that could be a really positive thing. That could be a really cool thing to have something that reacts in you know, or even to me, I, I like the idea of interacting with with AI and. Uh, in a way that's more sophisticated and subtle and and informative to me and all of those things than I get currently with the virtual assistants that we have, mm-hmm. which are very yeah. problematic and a lot, just not Go helpful bad. in a lot of ways. Like you're f- battling with them most of the time. Yeah. And I, I have, because of my friendship with him, I have interacted with some things that put all of that to shame. It's, it's extraordinary. Like it understands mm-hmm. context and nuance and, you can and you can have a conversation and it'll reference things that you talked about 20 minutes ago just like a person does yeah. you know it really does feel like you're talking to something that has a, a level of sophistication that we've never achieved before and so i'm i'm kind of excited about i mean it's obviously there's it's fraught with danger but i'm excited about that uh-huh. but it really does feel longer away than we think be, as a, as far as a consumer product goes because of the potential for it to just go off the rails and and not even not even be like you know kill your family but just say something that is innocuous but wrong mm-hmm. and 
Yeah, that goes you know, in a report. Who who knows like what what that means for you or yes, whatever. Yeah, right. Yeah, and yeah. all of a sudden, I'm suing because it told me to put you know three drops of whatever it is into my drink and you know, whatever it is. You know, it's like it's crazy. Put the, it's like, put the strychnine into the drink. Mm, <laughs> right. Don't take it out of it. Um, yeah. I think I, the I, the worst example right now though is like whatever Tesla's doing with their so called self driving and just putting it out on the road, right? Which is relying on sensors and a lot of like AI tech, not, not the same level as these, like as the things like GPT, but we're just, they're just throwing things out on the road, you know, without any right. real testing. But and it's, that it's is become so dangerous. restrictive at this point, as far as yeah. what you can do as a driver, like it, it, the cameras are looking at you. My, I mean, I literally mm -hmm. had this, this mm -hmm. weekend, my friend like picked up his phone when his, his yeah, Tesla yeah. was self-driving and it was like, me, 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 me. You're like, you can't <laughs> sure. pick up your phone. Like don't yeah, pick up your good. phone. That's good. Yeah. yeah. And but, it, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. I I, uh, I don't know if I agree with you, Jeff. I just feel like this is. I feel like this is the turning point, and that those yeah. are like details. It's going to happen very quickly. Yeah, like those will be worked. Oh. Those details will be worked out. Yeah, really I agree. But I'm saying what the what the the issues that the companies are dealing with mm -hmm. are not the issues that we might think they're dealing with. They're not true. dealing with true. true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they're not dealing with like, oh, how do we accomplish? It's accomplished. We, it, yeah. they're done. <laughs> it's we, it's yeah. here. It's more like how. They don't even know. It's how like, how works. do we control right. it? How do we yeah. control this? How thing? do we yeah. ensure that we have any kind of uh, any kind of agency over this thing at all? Yeah. Yep. I think we are really not too far off from the days of uh, an AI generated uh, TV show or film, right? Like oh, yeah. an, AI, no, an AI generated far. script. That is like a reasonable approximation of a human written mm -hmm. script. Um, you can even I mean, use we, we've AI seen enough of those Netflix movies that are basically <laughs> <laughs> all the Ryan Reynolds movies. One could like, argue that we're already one could argue we're that already we're already there, there because yeah, think, alg algorithms are driving the content that's being made mm -hmm. right now. You know, but, but I think but, before yeah. you get, you know, I'm sure somebody's going to do it as a stunt early. But I I think far before you get the you know the movie that was written by a computer, you're going to get a lot of movies that are written in conjunction with a computer. That is going yeah. to be a tool that people are going to use to, you know, the I, I have an, the seed of an idea and it flushes mm -hmm. it out and then I go in and I change some things and I make it like it's going it, to it'll be a tool set in the same way that a thesaurus is a tool. Yeah, you I mean, know, we're like, already using our computers as tools, like yeah, all I your spell checks going to find facts on Wikipedia right. or wherever. Like I didn't think of that word. Yeah. The thesaurus suggested it. But I used it, and it was the right word. I think yeah, in that yeah, way, it's going to be. Yeah. Like, I didn't think of that scene. <laughs> the The computer suggested it. Oh, but maybe scene... we need to look at the character motivation here. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, or, or just like, hey, get, hey, computer, like, give me a dialogue scene between two people that are yes. arguing about what, and then, and then it's like, and then you like modify it, tweak and it, it. And then yes. you put your name on it. Ugh. Well, yeah. but that's going to be. It's going to be a tool like anything. I mean, there's plenty of people that use a calculator. And put their name on the equations, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So it's how like, different is it, basically? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, those are some thoughts on the state of AI. A, a couple more thoughts on that matter uh, before we move on to the show. First, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back with more about this topic. If you're listening to this Gerber Life Guaranteed Life Insurance sponsorship ad, there's a good chance that you're alive. And if you're not, well, this may not be of interest to you. Now, I know what you're thinking, life insurance, I'm going to live forever. Death is what happens to other people. Well, for the sake of argument, let's assume you're wrong and that someday you won't be listening to podcasts anymore. I know it's not easy to talk about, so 
I'll do the talking. If you're 50 plus and alive or 50 to 75 in New York, you can apply for Gerber Life Guaranteed Life Insurance with guaranteed acceptance regardless of your health. And since this life insurance is guaranteed, you don't have to get a medical exam. In fact, you don't even have to fill out a health questionnaire. For a free quote, just visit GerberLifeFamily.com. Then, when you stop, I mean, if you stop listening to podcasts, your family can use the insurance money to help cover your final expenses or anything else. Your kids already inherited your ears, allergies, and questionable singing voice. Don't make them inherit your final expense tab, too. See website for terms and restrictions. Okay, uh... Jeff, we've been talking about uh, what it means to have AI in the world and, and what it will mean for creative industries. We've already seen that um, Dolly can generate images, but also like you can generate movies using uh, yeah. a- animated movies using like a series of images. And so so it's, like, it's re- just really not that far off. I, I would say in the next you know 12 to 24 months, we're going to see a lot more of this experimentation, ethical questions around it and so forth. But in the meantime, I asked the chat GPT to write a limerick about Knives Out. And here's what it said. Knives Out is a film. How dare you? (laughs) Knives Out is a film that's quite keen. It's a whodunit that's sure to be seen with a cast that is grand and a plot that is planned. It's a movie that's worth taking a screen. And oh, cool. that is not That's good. That's not a good phrase. That's a bad phrase. <laughs> not great. <laughs> Scream? I think well, your also, job is safe, Jeff. Also, yeah. Knives Out is a film that's quite keen. Keen, mm-hmm. you know, what does that even mean? Like, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, but, it's pretty sharp. Yeah. Uh, well, I, tried I, to, I, I appreciate the attempt at stabbing <laughs> me in the back. You're welcome. I tried to have it do like uh, Glass Onion, but it, it apparently it has a cutoff of. Um, like 2021 in terms of information on the internet that it has. Yeah. Um, so it couldn't do yeah, a glass. Take, take that AI. How <laughs> smart are you now? Not aware of cultural trends. That yeah, are pretty yeah. So yeah. see, Jeff, you've got the glass onion limericks sewn up. Um, but Boom. anyway, for now. Okay. Uh, before we move on, I did want to mention one other thing. Uh, I, I know the three of us have different approaches when it comes to social media and stuff. I think that like, uh, I, I think it's safe to say that it's we all might feel it's safe to it's uh, advisable to to find alternate ways of communicating with each other that aren't Twitter. Uh, and on those on that front, I do want to say uh, if you are a listener to the show, uh, you should consider joining the Slack Filmcast or the Filmcast Slack or whatever it's called these days um, by signing up at slackfilmcast.com. It's a great way of keeping in touch with uh, other people in the community as well as uh, as well as us. Um, but that's at slackfilmcast.com. And we don't, it's not like real-time sign up, but uh, every now and then uh, we do open the gates and have led in a bunch of people recently, which led to this post being p- shared on the <laughs> podcast uh, Slack channel. Uh, uh, a user named Chris B uh, writes, quote, don't ask me how I came across this, but I think Jeff should continue to be thrilled by this post, even if it was 11 years ago. And there is a a post here from the subreddit called Lady Boners. And (laughs) Lady Boners. Lady Boners. And it's just basically a picture of Jeff Kanata with the headline, 
totally rad guy, Jeff Kanata, and a photo of Jeff Kanata. Mm. And that's the entire post. And yeah. there is one comment. It has six upvotes and one comment, or nine upvotes at this point. I think it's gotten more upvotes since it got shared in the Slack. Um, nine upvotes. And then somebody commented, yum, such a sweetheart too. I got to meet them at PAX a couple of years ago. Great guys, end quote. Which made me realize I never want to see the word yum associated with Jeff Kanata. <laughs> but anyway. So you're thought- saying at one point, over a decade ago, <laughs> yes, I yes. gave a lady a boner. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but Listen, not very many. Jeff, ma- some I- people go a whole lifetime without that, okay? <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> I, I do feel grateful. It is, uh, I don't know if, if I should be proud or... or, or or depressed that I it only got just, six uh, votes. <laughs> flip it to your wife. Just be like, hey, hey, check this out. Yeah, yeah just, just, just like oh. casually, like sneak, sneak it in. Yeah, you I, know? this is, this I is recent. I mm-hmm. do that all the time. As far as like anything nice said about me, I'm like, hey, honey, and she's always not impressed. Very not mm-hmm. impressed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As well, she should be. As well, yeah. she should be. Look, honey, but, I gave someone a lady boner eleven years ago. I think I think she'll pay attention to that. Actually, <laughs> you think compared to a lot of other things, yeah. I am just so fascinated by how Chris B stumbled upon this post. You know, like he said, don't ask me how I came across this. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And it's like, why? The, what, what would lead a person? Quite the rabbit hole. What would yeah. lead a person to get to Lady Boner's subreddit from 11 years ago? You know, that's kind mm-hmm. of my mm-hmm. question. I really but, should have uh, presented this to my wife before our conversation just to see what she would have said. No, absolutely. Um, forget that Webby, right? Um, <laughs> you're trending on Lady Boner's? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if six upvotes is trending. But <laughs> You're there. I appreciate. Somebody it. put you there. You know? Somebody, somebody put you there, and another person that I think said yum. So, uh huh. Yum. Yeah. All right. I'll tell you. Know what, guys? I'll take it. At this point, eleven years later, mm-hmm. I need all of the lady boners. Take your wins. Get. Take your wins. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, uh, that is the quality of discourse you can find over at the Slack Filmcast or the Filmcast Slack. <laughs> At slackfilmcast.com. And yeah, a lot of new members uh, recently. And, Appreciate um, it. Yeah, yeah. Good good Somebody everybody. pulled up the uh, the top that video you guys did, Jeff. Oh, that is not a yum. That's so good. Not that a yum. That's so much fun. Yeah. Also, uh, this weekend, I, I uh, hung out with uh, Dan and Alex. Uh, we were in the same place at the same time for the first time in, in literally since the, before the pandemic. So like three years, four years. And I posted a picture on Instagram and uh, a lot of people very kind and saying, oh my gosh, I love the show. But then there was the one comment, you know, there's always the one comment. There's always the one comment. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Wow. You guys are old. What happened? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Jeff, that was me. That was me. (laughs) What happened, man? You guys used to be young. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 15 years ago when the show was on, you guys were so much younger. Used to be totally (laughs) rad. Now you're totally dad. Yeah. It's actually your reboot of the show, Jeff. Free idea yeah. there. Free. There you go. It it is. I mean, I have a philosophy on my own channel, like on my on my social channels, on my um new, my new Substack at decodingeverything.com, that like you should treat someone else's social profile as though it's a living room and you're <laughs> a guest there. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Sure. And it's just shocking to me the things people will say, even to people they know and like. Yeah. You know, not even to like random strangers they hate just like presumably that person's a fan of yours yeah and they're just like wow you got old and it's yeah, like i know well the, would, you, would you ever say that to someone like the funny that you thing walked is, into their into their house you know the like, the, yeah. the process was look at picture <laughs> uh, think 
oh my gosh, they really got old. Press button to add <laughs> comment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Press caps lock. Oh my God, you guys got old. Like that's a, that's that's a lot of steps after the thought. <laughs> the yeah. reply though well, is, uh, so did you. We all we mm-hmm. all do. Yeah, yeah. both sides of the keyboard. Yeah, yeah. But that person is probably not posting before and after fifteen year photos. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, I guess the the moral of this story is be kind to be like pretend you're a guest in someone else's house and you know don't do stuff online that you wouldn't do in real life. You know, like that's kind of it. It baffles me. It baffles me sometimes. Um, but that's not what it's like on the Filmcast Slack. So slackfilmcast.com. All right. Delightful place. Delightful place with, with delightful people. Yeah. Um, and a, a, as part of the After Dark, guys, I wanted to talk with you, uh, you know, about your thoughts on, on, on the whole Twitter and the white supremacists and stuff like that. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Something to look forward to. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. A real tease for the yeah, folks real te- subscribing. <laughs> yeah. Patreon.com slash podcast. Okay. Let's get to what we've been watching, folks. Uh, so it is officially award season, and that means that uh, we are getting a bunch of screenings. We're getting screener discs that we need to watch. Uh, and so I've gotten a bunch of screener discs uh, for movies that they want us to consider for awards. They meaning movie studios. Uh, and one of those movies is a Noah Baumbach movie called White Noise, which is based off the Don DeLillo novel. Uh, this movie, White Noise, will very, be streaming. Very difficult novel to adapt, having read the novel. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. What, one of those like, ah, you can't make that into a movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, the story is he was reading it post-pandemic and was just like, huh, I, I think this all kind of clicks now. It, yeah. do- it does, actually. It's very like, even though it was written before the pandemic, it's very long relevant. Yeah, I mean, long time before the, yeah. but it's very relevant uh, to the pandemic. I mean, I, I watched this movie with my wife, and my wife loved it, and uh, I thought it was pretty good. But mm. it is a, it is a wild ride, a mishmash of all these different tones. Uh, and if you guys thought the Fablemans uh, was challenging in terms of people just talking in a very stilted fashion. Uh, I, I mean, I have two movies to introduce to you, White Noise and Bardo, False Chronicles of a Handful of Truths, both of which have people talking not really like any humans that you would right, understand right. or recognize. In, an, in a Rita movie? Really? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, my wife directed me to the Wikipedia page for the White Noise novel. And uh, this... I thought was just like a, I don't know, I could sum, summarize it any better. She, it says, quote, White Noise explores several themes that emerged during the mid to late 20th century. Rampant consumerism, media saturation, novelty academic intellectualism, underground conspiracies, <laughs> the disintegration and reintegration of the family, human-made disasters, and the potentially regenerative nature of violence. The novel style is characterized by a heterogeneity that utilizes montages of tones, styles, and voices that have the effect of yoking together terror and wild humor as the essential tone of contemporary America, end quote. And that's the 20th century you're talking about. Yeah, and and I think the movie largely achieves this. It is Hmm. a movie where, like, I had no idea at any point where it was going. At, At any moment in time, it could veer wildly into, like, a completely unanticipated subplot. Um, one moment it's a funny 
family comedy, like National Lampoon's Vacation. And the next minute, it's like a murder thriller. And it's like, just like, what is going on here? Starring, it, starring like a paunchy Adam Driver, too. Like, yes, he and, looks a little unrecognizable in this. Yeah, I, I, There's a scene where he doesn't have his shirt on. And I, cause I, I thought he was wearing like a fat suit or some kind uh-huh, of uh-huh. prosthetic or something like that. But uh, it may be, maybe it is a prosthetic, but it looks like he actually gained the weight. I'm not sure. He definitely gained. There's a lot of stories about it. he gained a, a decent chunk of weight. So I've not seen this yet, but I'm very intrigued by this movie. Yeah. 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 Uh, I would say it is Noah Bombach's most directorially ambitious film ever. Mm. Uh, it is, in fact, extremely Spielbergian. I never thought I would use the word Spielbergian when I'm talking about a Noah Bomb. Or, or pronounce it correctly. <laughs> How dare you, Jeff? Spielbergian. It's kind of like the Bernstein Bears. Spielbergian. Spielbergian. Is that, am I pronouncing it wrong? Spielbergian? Spiel, I, would, I would think it would Spiel, be Spielbergian, but Spielbergian mm-hmm. is fun, too. Okay, now I got to think about that. Jeff. Anyway, uh, yeah, threw a wrench in the gears there. Jeff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the, the machine was operating well, and then you ground it to a halt. But uh, anyway, White Noise is going to be on Netflix, I believe, on December thirtieth. I won't say too much more about it, um, but mm-hmm. it, it is like unlike anything he's ever done before. And you know, I've Excellent. seen a, I've seen and enjoyed a lot of Noah Baumbach movies. You know, um, uh, I think we were all huge fans of Marriage Story when it came out yes. a couple years ago, right? Um, this is unlike anything he's ever done. It's a huge swing, and I think it largely connects. I think it largely is successful. Yeah. And this is when I hope we have a chance to review. You know, come January or what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see. Um, but I, uh, I think I, I don't know that everyone's gonna like it. It's just it's really weird, and it's like over two hours long, and mm-hmm. it's just a bunch of different tones. But if the idea is to capture the uh, the dissonance, the conflicting nature and tones of American life. Mm-hmm. I do think that white noise does accomplish that. And uh, Adam driver and Gre- Greta Gerwig are really fun in the movie. So there's a great uh, New York times article too, about uh Bombach and like his basically like how he came across the book and everything and decided to do it. It's also this weekend's episode of the daily. So you can check that out mm. a couple different ways. Yeah. Nice. Nice. I mean, uh, look, Netflix has done a lot of terrible things. Apparently they, you know, they've, yeah, they only hard- put what, glass onion in theaters for a week. Awful. They, they, they put glass Awful. onion in theaters for a week. They've helped to erode the pay of many mid-level people. Mm-hmm. Um, they have pushed the industry towards an arms race, uh, like a streaming arms race that has cost everyone dearly. And uh, they're obviously against the theatrical film going industry. They're basically against many of the things that we stood for early in, in our time on the film cast. But, but... Uh, they are funding movies like Noah Baumbach's White Noise, which I, I have to imagine would have bombed at the box office mm, or, mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. you know, if it had a conventional theatrical release, there's no way this would do well, in my opinion. Um, and so they're keeping Noah Baumbach in business, and I think that's a good thing. So anyway, that's White Noise. It'll be available on Netflix on December 30th, I believe. Speaking of movies that wouldn't do well at the box office, I had a chance to watch Bardo, False Chronicles of a Handful of Truths. This is the newest movie by Inyoritu, uh, the person who won Best Picture for Birdman uh, eight years ago, I think it was. Also made The Revenant, which is like I have liked or loved almost all of Inyoritu's movies, despite really? the fact that despite the fact that a lot of people find him very unpleasant and not and you know they don't like his movie. You know, like they find him too over the top. But you really stand for Babel, Dave. 
I I enjoyed a lot of Babel. I I liked Twenty One Gra- Like Twenty One Grams is like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. one of the first movies that I bought movie posters for. I I remember this. Yeah, yeah. you know, like I love Twenty One Grams. Loved you know Amoris Peros. Loved The Revenant. I enjoyed Birdman. Not for your you- house, but just to like put up around town. Yeah. <laughs> Check this out. <laughs> I mean, in the movie Birdman. Uh, there is a theater critic that I think is a stand-in for film critics or critics in general uh, who, Inaritu, I think, speaking through the character that Michael Keaton plays, basically dresses down. Like, he fucking hates critics. Yeah, so even yeah, though yeah. Inaritu hates people such as myself, I still love his movies. I still yeah. love his movies. So I, I like about I like or love 80% of Inaritu's movies. Okay? So, like, that's just where I'm coming from. Um, Amoris Pro is one of the first DVDs I ever bought. You know, like I, I, I love this. That's a great film. Yeah, that is a film. tremendous movie. Yeah. Okay. Um, Bardo, False Chronicles of a Handful of Truths. Uh, <laughs> most people listening to this will find this movie yeah. unbearable. I would even argue. even the title makes my <laughs> eyes roll. <laughs> um, this is a semi autobiographical movie uh, that where basically. The main character is a journalist who's about to win an award, and his name is Silverio, but it's like, maybe this is actually Inaritu about to get an Oscar, you know? Um, and he's struggling with his identity. He's struggling with his family, his family relationships. And there's some really good stuff there about, like, if you are a Mexican filmmaker or a filmmaker of color in general, right? Like... um, there's there's all these complicated dynamics of like where are you really from? If you spend you know a decade or more of your life in America making movies, like where are you really from? Like is America your home? And to what extent do you need to perform your Mexicanness for Americans so that they will give you awards? And should you even want to get awards? These are all questions that the movie kind of raises, um, and I think it's it's worthwhile for that alone. It's like an interesting exploration of that. The the movie is. Uh, fantastical it's like uh it doesn't really take place in reality so there's all these kind of weird things that happen where you're kind of in a dream sequence for the entire movie basically um like i'll just give you one small example the character the main character will be having a conversation with someone and then like literally halfway through he'll just start thinking his side of the conversation like he'll start (laughs) thinking the dialogue and then the person the other person will respond as though he spoke it out loud. And so I'm like, okay, so he's imagining this whole thing. And then, and then the other person will acknowledge that he's thinking it. So it's like, Hey, you really, can you please speak your words out loud? Like, I really would appreciate, you know, like stop thinking the dialogue. Like it's that kind of movie where it's like the movie is aware that it's a movie. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, and it is very meandering. There's barely any plot to speak of. Uh, the movie is over two hours and 30 minutes long, but it is incredibly beautiful. I mean, like all of his recent movies, the Revenant, I think is stunningly gorgeous. Even Birdman, I think is really beautiful though. The whole movie Bardo is shot in wide angle basically. Mm -hmm, So, mm -hmm. uh, and, and often in the same style as the Revenant and Birdman. So like long, the whole movie isn't a long continuous shot or anything like that, but there's like many long continuous shots throughout the movie. um, And shooting it in wide angle, allows you to take in all these intricate sites and stuff like that. Uh, so it, it's a, it's incredible like viewing experience, but it, it is also just, 
it is the reason people call movies pretentious, you know, is, is because of movies like Bardo false chronicles of a handful of truths. Um, so I, I did not enjoy the movie. <laughs> like after I, all it, that, it's, it's, it's one of the movies <laughs> where I got to the end and I'm like, you, you ever get to the end of a movie and you're like, oh, uh-huh. relief. I'm like, Oh, like sigh of relief. Like, I'm so glad that's over. Like, <laughs> Dave, this is how I feel when I watch most interview movies. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, thank, yeah, yeah. Thank God. Yeah, it's like, Credits oh my God. are rolling? Whoa. <laughs> it's like, oh, thank God. Thank God that's over. Like, I'm glad I don't need to like, because you're basically like in someone's mind who is like mm-hmm. really tormented, you know, like, and struggling with a lot of things and doesn't feel the need to tell you like a coherent story. Right. So it's just like, uh, so it, it's unpleasant in many ways. Some people might enjoy that unpleasantness and like want to get lost in it. And so I don't think the movie is for no one. I think there's a lot of people out there that might enjoy this film, but uh, I did not, even though I thought it was very, very beautiful. So anyway, that's Bardo false chronicles of a handful of truth. I believe it will be streaming on Netflix in December uh, later this month. So in a couple weeks, I believe it will be streaming. just in time for your holiday gatherings. Gather the family around for Bardo, everyone. Yeah, I mean, it is it is about family, and and here's the thing: there's there's many <laughs> there's many you know moments in the movie that are just like strikingly beautiful, as there are in many of Inuritu's movies. Um, but this is not for most people, and, and it's also a movie that I'm like shocked that it exists. By the way, after watching this movie and The Fablemans, which is also a very mm-hmm. semi autobiographical movie, yeah. where the main character is a director. Uh, and is kind of pondering his place in the world amongst his family uh, and amongst his people. I'm worried about our A-list directors, guys. <laughs> I'm like, are they okay? Like, but, but wait until you see Babylon. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, interesting. At least yeah. he's young, you know. But uh, yeah, exactly. Damien Chazelle's not old enough to have he's these. Mid, he's young thirties. Yeah. I, I do think that there is when I when I watch The Fablemans and Bardo, both movies that like are fairly uncommercial i would argue Mm -hmm. like not they the fablemans did not very well at the box office bardo is in limited release right now and it's not going to do well at the box office um but when i take these movies together my feeling is that there is an anxiety amongst these directors who have spent decades of their lives making stuff for our entertainment much of which has won awards right but i think that there is an anxiety and a fear that they have not been fully seen. Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind mm-hmm. of when I watch Bardo, when I watch the Fablemans, like that's the trend I see is like, they yeah. don't feel like people understand them for who they are. The, the depth and complexity of who these people are as humans. Um, that there's something dehumanizing about the Hollywood process. Uh, and becoming and they're, they're famous. sort of like, they become, um, you know, they, they become bigger than themselves. Yeah. As yeah, like yeah, somebody yeah. like Spielberg, like he is the definition of blockbuster cinema in in so many ways. So yeah, I could see why he did that. Um, I did note a thing uh, he mentioned in in an interview that uh, he, he he has never done therapy, and that mm. movie feels so much like him working through you know his life and his traumas and whatnot. Yeah, I, I don't think these directors owe us anything. You know, like if they want to go make introspective movies, right. for yeah, their yeah, lives, yeah. that's fine. You know, but. Uh, but but I do sense that that it's like and like I have to point out literally in this movie like they say it out like because they talk about the movie that they're in you know so they're like yeah. they're like I want to be like I want to get at a at a at an emotional truth and fully be seen you know it's like that kind of stuff and I I just think that people like Spielberg and 
you know, and Inuritu, you know, they, they've been making stuff for other people, um, for other financiers, for audiences, mm -hmm. their whole lives. I, and I don't know. I feel like a lot of <laughs> Inuritu's movies are very much for him. That's like, fair enough. That's fair enough. Screw, but screw what you think, general audience. Where Spielberg is definitely, yeah. What? How will the audience take this? Yeah, yeah, I feel like that's yeah, always the thing. No, I yeah. think you're. I think you're right. His uh, Inuritu's movies are often very like self, you know, self. Mm -hmm. uh, like they reflect his personality and viewpoints. I think, but but I, let me put it this way: I think they feel like there's something about themselves that the movies they've made have not yet conveyed, and they've made these movies, Bardo and The Fablemans, very, very mm -hmm. incredibly different movies, both extremely long though. <laughs> Um, that that try to convey that thing, and so I think it's worth noting, even though I didn't enjoy Bardo, False Chronicles of a Handful of Truth, uh, which it will be a streaming on Netflix later this month. Let's take a break. We'll be back with more of what we've been watching. Hey, I gotta tell you about our sponsor, Sizzle Pitch. Are you a movie fan? That's a silly question. You're listening to the film cast. Are you a movie fan who loves movie special features? Ooh, bet you are. Bet you are. Do you wish you had more access to the behind the scenes of making of movies? Yeah, I do. Or maybe you're a filmmaker yourself looking for ways to learn more about the filmmaking process. Well, then Sizzle Pitch is perfect for you. Sizzle Pitch gives anyone access to making movie magic with zero experience required by helping create sizzle reels, which are mini film projects that filmmakers use to show what their idea could become in a feature film or a TV show. Barbarian, Deadpool, The Matrix. What do all these films and so many others have in common? Well, they all started off as a sizzle reel, a proof of concept. With Sizzle Pitch, you'll get to choose from a variety of genres, including horror, comedy, sci-fi, and drama. And whatever your tastes, you'll learn about the entire filmmaking process from producing to special effects to meeting the cast and crew. It's a bit like crowdfunding, but you get way more than a t-shirt for your participation. Go to sizzlepitch.com right now to sign up or gift that cinephile in your life something truly special. On top of the introductory launch pricing, use promo code FILMCAST, F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T, for $100 off one sizzle project that's promo code filmcast at sizzlepitch.com s-i-z-z-l-e-p-i-t-c-h.com sizzle pitch making independent films with you okay uh i want to talk about one other thing i've been watching which is 1899 now i want to ask you guys um have you seen dark so no. some of it yeah. My wife watched the first two seasons of Dark and then she fell off and then she went back and watched season three and everyone, the, the con consensus on the internet seems to be they stuck the landing on Dark. Mm, like mm -hmm. everyone, everyone thinks that Dark season three is awesome. I, I watched the first season. I thought it was incredible, but it is a difficult show to watch. What I mean by that is they really make you work for it. Yeah. Um, I also remember having a hard time telling a lot of those characters apart, but I, well, I need the, to give the, the, the Dark problem, another shot. The problem yeah. is that Dark takes place in multiple different time frames, and so you'll have like a set of actors playing the young version of yeah, some people, yeah, and then a yeah. completely different set of actors playing the older version, and sometimes they don't really look the same, and so it's like they don't look the same, they don't dress the same, and then so it's like 
you need to be like taking notes on who is who and it's in a different language. So you're watching subtitles all the time. Um, but you know, my wife finished watching dark and she was actually like weeping. She's thought the ending was so powerful. And she's like, I want you to watch dark, David. Like I I will rewatch the entire thing with you. So I'm like, okay, you know, that's probably a thing I'm going to do. That said, the creators of dark have released recently a new TV show called 1899, an eight part miniseries. I think it's a miniseries. I don't think there's going to be a season two that's streaming right now on Netflix. And basically the plot of the series is there's a ship called the Kerberos and they go to find another fellowship from the same company called the Prometheus because it's been missing at sea for four months. But Mm. when they find the ship, it may hold some terrifying and horrible secrets. Who knows? My thoughts on 1899. I've watched the first three episodes. Uh, When you watch dark, here's what you can count. When you watch something by the creators of dark, here's what you can count on. It's incredibly sprawling and ambitious. There's like dozens of speaking roles in the show, like uh, main characters that are speaking roles on the show. Everything is super stylish. Like the production design is immaculate. It looks cool. It's cool to watch. There's really weird time bending ideas, cool sci-fi ideas that the show is going to explore. Um, That's true of Dark. It's true of 1899. Here's the problem with 1899. It is glacially slow. It is so painfully <laughs> slow in doling out like what's going on with the show that uh, I- I'm really having difficulty maintaining interest in the show. It's kind of a show where like my wife is the one driving the watching of it. You know what I'm saying? Where like if I mm-hmm. if she mm-hmm. wasn't really into it, I would have checked out long ago. Do you guys ever have those shows where like your wife is re- Jeff? I think you talked about like mammals recently, and like your wife was like really into yeah. what would happen. She's like, um, I gotta know. I got, and then by the end, we all, all both hated it. But um, <laughs> is is yeah. is is your wife's uh, interest in 1899 because of dark or is she also interested in this particular show? Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. These, these shows are so ambitious, right? And and it's like, it's a thing where like every episode is so fucking long. It's like one plus hours for, you know, many of the episodes. Well, but is, she, um, is, she, is she like, I trust these, these creators because I love the other show. So I'm going to stick with it. Or is she legitimately enjoying each episode of this? I, I, I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's also that, 1899 introduces these big mysteries and it's like, you, you now need to know what the mystery is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah, it's like, what's going on in the ship? Like, right. The, the main oh, characters, the main character's name is Mora, but like right from the beginning, uh, you, you know, like she, she says to herself, my name is Mora something, you know, it's the year is 1899, blah, blah, blah. She's like repeating these words to herself. And like me and my wife are watching this and we're like, I don't think any of that's true. I don't think her name is Mora. I don't think it is the year 1899, you know, like, and then you, you just need, you kind of want to find out what the truth is. Right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's a, yeah. it's a, it's a pure puzzle box where you're like, what is actually going on in the show? But the thing is, it's just taking so long to get to the answer of like, what is even happening? And, yeah. um, the reviews, which are based on people who have watched the first six episodes all say that it is extremely slow. So, that means I have minimum six episodes I need to watch <laughs> before maybe the show starts wrapping it up in a satisfying way. I don't know. Um, but I don't think the show is as good as Dark. Like, Dark is a show that, like, grabbed you immediately um, and really started doling out. Like, it would introduce, it would maybe answer some mysteries, but introduce new ones. And um, the central drama was really uh, more relatable because the show takes place in modern times and it's about a missing person. And it's like, oh, there's a missing person in this town. Like, I understand like what that is. Here, you're in a steamship in the 
late 19th century. You know, it's just harder to relate with what's going on. And the show's really slow. But I'm probably going to keep watching it. And I, I'll tell you. You kind of have to now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll give a summary at the end. When I get to the end, I'll tell you if it's <laughs> worth it or not. But that's 1899. It's streaming right now on Netflix. And that's what I've been watching. White Noise, Bardo, and 1899. Devendra Hardware, you've been watching some movies that I'm interested in. Tell yeah. us about what you've been watching this week. Quite a few things. So I finally got to see Till, the new movie about Emmett Till and his mother, Mamie Till, uh, directed by Chinonye Chukwu. Uh, she recently did Clemency, which yeah, I remember Clemency's you really a great, enjoyed. Great movie. Uh, Alfred Woodard, I think, right? Alfred it, Woodard. Yeah, she, she is so good. So, yeah, she's awesome. Yeah, movie, I've, yeah, I've been looking forward to this film, but also kind of dreading it because, yeah, this, this is fully exploring what happened to Emmett Till and sort of the aftermath of that. And, um, you know, this, this stuff is just kind of hard to deal with. But I think this is an incredible movie. And I think everybody should see it. But it's also one of those movies you probably will never watch again because of how just how moving and how affecting it is. Um, it stars Daniel Deadweiler as Mamie Till. And I have to say, this movie confirms that I think Daniel Deadweiler is one of the most interesting actresses working right now. I love her in everything I see her in. She was in Station Eleven. She was the sort of uh, she was the the very like uh, logistics worker, the very like um, you know very smart logistics worker there who basically was like oh, a pivotal yeah, person. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she was in The Harder They Fall. She's been in a lot of shows recently too, like P Valley and Watchmen. I loved her in The Harder They Fall. What's interesting about her is that she is just like a chameleon because in every movie she looks um, very very different. Like in Harder They Fall, she looks like a scruffy you know cow cowgirl basically like in a badass and this movie puts her in a very very different role um so i just have to say that she is tremendous uh this movie does a great job of exploring like what mamie till did like how she how the brutal death of emma till affected her how she sort of used her rage and her despair and everything to kind of push forward and to make america aware of what what happened to him and it's a, it's a hard story I mean, I'm sure we've all kind of read about this and probably even seen the the photo of Emmett Till in, in school at some point. And this movie does not shy away from that. Um, in fact, it devotes a very large portion in the middle to a very like accurate recreation of what Emmett Till's body would have looked like after he was lynched by a group of men. So it, it's hard to watch. And Daniel Deadweiler's reaction to that, I think, is astounding and tremendous. And she is just so good at channeling the feelings of a mother you know who confronts the worst thing possible happening to her son and how she uses her feelings and how she kind of moves forward i think is fascinating to see and uh i, I just i wish everybody could see this movie because i think it it will communicate a lot to you especially if like you've only known the emmett till story in passing if you've never really confronted the brutality of that photo which uh you know made national international news and helped to spark the civil rights movement in major ways. It's also an important movie because this stuff has not led us, like it has not left us at all, guys. One of the first news stories I saw after watching this movie was an announcement that uh, Kentucky is canceling its Christmas parade because um, people have threatened to shoot protesters who uh, who are basically pushing for Carolyn Bryant, the woman who, you know, accused Emma Till of, um, of whistling at her and doing doing much more. Um, but that woman has never faced any sort of punishment. She's still alive and people are protesting to get something done towards her. And yeah, there have been, there have been like violent, um, 
you know, threats to these protesters so many years later. It's only this year that the Emmett Till Anti-Lynching Act was finally passed, you know, something that they've been working towards for a very, very long time. We are just so slow to make any sort of progress. And it's all it's all very sad, especially being down here and just seeing like, you know, how how there is a culture, especially in the South, of uh, sort of inherent racism at times that is just going to be hard for us to move beyond. Um, but I think this is an important movie. I think everybody should see it. Uh, be prepared going in, of course, but it is well worth your time. All right, that's Till. Uh, I've heard great things about this movie. I think it's available on video on demand right now. It is. It's on video on demand yeah. now. Yeah. So uh, you should check it out. Davindra, thanks for sharing that. Uh, what no else problem. have you been watching this week, Davindra? Something a little lighter. I got to check out a movie called Four Samosas by Ravi Kapoor. And this is kind of, it's a fun sort of uh, comedy slash heist movie, semi sort of heist movie about a group of Indian friends in LA. So it takes place in a place that I never really get to hear much about, you know, Indian Americans in LA and kind of how, what they're going through and what their lives are like. Um, I have to say, I really wanted to like this movie more than I actually did because, hey, I, I want this sort of representation out there. I want to see fun stories about Indian Americans. And this one is about a guy whose uh, former fiance is now getting, or former girlfriend is now getting married to somebody he hates. And he concocts a plan to win her heart, yada, yada, yada. Uh, I think there are a lot of great elements of this movie. And I think the cast overall are really fun. But it is a weird movie because it tries maybe a little too hard to be twee. It's sort of like um, very much uh, aping a lot of Wes Anderson style from 20 years ago, which is a very weird thing to see in the year 2022. Um, it's shot in uh, a four by three boxy frame two with rounded corners uh, for no apparent reason other than the aesthetic of it lo looks kind of cute. Um, there are a lot of things like that. There are a lot of like random dance sequence asides. There's a lot like the, the actual comedy of it feels like maybe a slightly heightened Wes Anderson movie. And, you know, the, even the poster shows them all in tracksuits, very much like the Royal Tenenbaums. And I, I love a lot of those movies. I get those references. I do feel like we maybe should be moving on from a lot of these things. Like there are so many more original ways to get this comedy across and tell this story uh, without just aping a guy who has a very unique sense of style. You know, I'd love to see more people explore their own sense of style. Uh, so that's that. I think if this hits Netflix or something, it's probably going to be worth a watch because I think the cast is fun. And it's really fun to see something take place in LA around Indian Americans. Like I, I just really have not seen much of that. So I think for that reason alone, it's worth a watch. I just wish it were better. That is Four Samosas. And Devendra, how did you watch this movie again? Um, I've been going through a pile of screeners. So mm -hmm. I know this one is also on video on demand. So this one should be easy to see if you want to. But I would say this is more of a Netflix or Hulu movie once it kind of ends up there. All right. Uh, Four mm -hmm. Samosas is something else Devendra Harder has been watching. And lastly, Devendra, you've Last watched one, for you guys. One, one of the most anticipated movies of the year. Well, okay. in my household, yes. Yep. Yeah. Um, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. <laughs> A movie yeah. that is essentially the Logan of the Puss in Boots franchise. <laughs> so let me just put it that way. This mm -hmm. movie's really good, guys. I don't know if this is something... Dave does, will probably does, it, does it begin with uh, Puss in Boots facing off a bunch of people during the opening credits and cutting a bunch of limbs off? Is that, uh, is that why know, it's there, Logan? There are a lot of sword fights. Uh, but uh, this is a movie... Basically, the premise is uh, Puss in Boots has used all of his, almost all of his nine lives. Right. And now he's like, oh, I, oh, I am a lot more vulnerable now. I could die at any moment. So it's a movie that begins with him uh, hanging up his sword 
kind of trying to be a normal cat and you know ad- adventure calls you can't you can't avoid that this movie's a lot of fun I think it's a great movie for kids, especially for kids who enjoy the previous Puss in Boots movie or enjoyed him in Shrek. My wife is a big fan because I think uh, Antonio Banderas has a lot of fun as Puss in Boots, and he is definitely giving his all here. Salma Hayek is back, of course, and I love their their interplay. John Mulaney is in this as a sort of uh, villain. Jack Horner um, has a great cast, but the, the main thing is this movie looks great. It has a great animation style that sort of... It is mostly CG, but at times it combines a lot of the sort of elements you'd see in uh, Into the Spider-Verse. And I do like seeing more of these elements kind of combine. Um, it makes these movies look a lot more interesting than just like flat CG things where um, faces aren't super expressive or like there's not much texture to backgrounds and stuff. This movie pops with color and with style, and I think it's a lot of fun. It's just a really fun story. I think kids will really enjoy it. So Jeff, I would recommend this one for you and your kids. Also, the first Puss in Boots movie, still good. Um, Florence Pugh is in this. She's Goldilocks. (laughs) This movie's a lot of fun, and it's also like killing it on Rotten Tomatoes, like 92% at this point. So Full, full recommend. I think this movie is great. It's in theaters now. Um, but, you know, whenever it hits uh, other services or rental, I think it's worth watching. Yeah. I was reading, you know, we had talked last week, Devinder, about how uh, there is a common trend now where if it doesn't do well in the theaters, generally right. like a few weeks later, it's going to be on video on demand. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still pretty, I was reading like an industry newsletter and it's still pretty murky and like the studios are kind of keeping it intentionally murky. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah, like yeah. it's not a standard practice. Sometimes it'll be there three weeks later. Sometimes it'll be there nine weeks later. Like, or not usually not nine weeks. Usually it's like six mm-hmm. to ten weeks or something like that. But which I, um, I don't mind. Like I, I wish that more studios had the power to just like pull the levers properly, right? Because it, it, because you know generally yeah. a studio generally knows mm-hmm. by Friday afternoon yes. when yes. the movie is out in theaters whether it's going to do well in theaters or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. You, they should have the option of being like, yeah. okay, hey, we're it, done. It doesn't make sense yeah. to keep it in theaters yeah. if nobody's going, right? Yeah. 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 Um, so anyway, I, I hope we'll get more clarity on like the video on demand uh, thing in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, that's Puss in Booth, The Last Witch. Wish. It's out in theaters now. It'll be available on video on demand, presumably very soon. Um, okay. Uh, before we continue, folks, I did want to mention that there has been some late-breaking news and I wanted to just run it by you. Guys. It's probably the same thing I just saw. Uh-oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, no, That's nothing, never no, good. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> they um, at at this moment that we are recording this, which may be different by the time you know uh-huh. it's like you're listening to it, but at the moment that we're recording this, uh, it has been revealed that Warner Brothers Discovery <laughs> has decided on the name for its new yeah. HBO Max slash Discovery Plus streaming service. Something everyone co- will recognize. That combines so both That combines both services. So, Jeff, you have not read this yet, right? No, I have not. Okay, Jeff, what do you think the combo name... I don't name- browse the news while Devendra's talking, like some people. <laughs> yeah. What do you yeah. think? First of all, I'm getting notifications. I'm, I'm mm. getting blown yeah. up here, Jeff. Yeah. Um, wh- I'm getting like 100 texts about this topic. I got Slack channels. I got the yeah. things. Things are happening while we're recording. Jeff, um, what do you think the combination name <laughs> is... For HBO Max slash Discovery Plus. Mm. Disco Max. Disco Ooh, Max. Not HBO a bad, Disco. Not a bad. Yeah. The the current planned name for the combination HBO Max slash Discovery Plus streaming service is going to be Max. Max. Nice. Name Max. of service. Max. When I hear Max, I think Cinemax. <laughs> you That's know? true, yeah. Drop Come the on, HBO. HBO. Drop the Max. HBO. It's cleaner. 
Uh-huh. It's cleaner. Just just have max. Max, max power. Yeah. Okay. I, it's not as awful as I was expecting. The way you, you built it up, I thought it was really going to be something terrible. But I, Max I, Max is not good, but it's not. I, I, think, I, think, I think Max is. is, pretty, is I would argue Max is pretty terrible. It's, <laughs> it's it is the least recognizable name of the combination of HBO Max <laughs> and Discovery Plus. Yes, like that, literally that is the weird thing. HBO Max Discovery Plus has four words. HBO and, Disco something and, and of those Max is the least has the least meaning out of all of them uh-huh. yeah. in terms of brand recognition. So anyway, we didn't talk. Just, you know what else did we didn't talk about this week? What's up? They announced the Indiana Jones title. Oh, oh yeah. Shit. Yes, I that's that's true. That's true. So <laughs> I have I mean, not well, watched the well, trailer. That's the thing. That's the thing, Jeff. Uh-huh. If you haven't watched the trailer, I didn't want to talk about it. You know I have not watched yeah. the trailer. That's why. There was but, a lot of pressure on me to watch the trailer. It's a bad title. I was like I said, I was yeah. with uh, very good friends this weekend. They all were, we're like, we're all oh, watching. They're yeah. like, let's for 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 you know history's sake, old time's sake. Old, yeah. old time's sake. Like, we're, we're watching the trailer. We're, we're all together. Let's do it. We're all gonna watch the trailer. <laughs> and then uh and then we, you know, there was much revelry and people went on somebody like went off and watched the trailer. And then Dan was like, Jeff, you don't need to watch the trailer. Don't watch the trailer. <laughs> He's like, Don't watch it. He's like, it's not it's not fun, like you know, fun. Yeah. Like I think it's. Tease. I think it's. He said it's. Fun. It's actually a trailer. Trailer. You don't want to watch it. Yeah. Uh, I see. I see. Oh, okay. Um. So he, there were, he, there are, he, there are, he he wasn't saying the trailer was bad. He was saying mm-hmm. you don't want to watch it because it gives it's away a, normal a lot of trailer. the plot. It's yeah. a normal trailer. Right? He was saying, yeah. yeah, he was saying it wasn't like the um the uh, uh Force Awakens trailer that he had right. always wanted me to watch. Incredible trailer. Which is Incredible. which is like just a few shots and then like you know. Uh, it's yeah. true. It's all of it, or whatever, whatever that line was, yeah. or we're back, or whatever it was. That was yeah. like, oh my god, my heart. You know, he said it's not that. It really is like a more traditional movie trailer. Don't watch it. Mm-hmm. So I, I did not that, watch for, it. Force Awakens was one of the greatest good teaser. tra- tra- teasers. They're very good time. at teasers, yeah. you know. So, yeah, um, but okay. I did hear the title, the subtitle of this Indiana Jones adventure, and I do believe it is mm-hmm. the worst, objectively the wor- worst than Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which is actually kind of yeah. a cool subtitle. Yeah, sure, I, yeah. I, I would agree. King of the Crystal Skull is not bad. Not bad. This is uh, very much a leading off of like tenacious, tenacious D's pick of destiny, isn't it? <laughs> so it is Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny is the Dial is the, the Dial title, right? of Destiny, which sounds mm-hmm. to me like a game show. Mm. Who wants to play the Dial of Destiny? Wheel of Fortune, Indiana Jones style. It does yeah. not. It is. Uh, I think. You know, having not seen the movie, I'm I'm still hoping the movie is wonderful. Uh, mm-hmm. but, uh, n- not, not heartened by the, it's, it reminds me <laughs> when I heard attack of the clones mm. and I was like, Oh, Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. Except that's what that movie is actually about. I don't know. This is a bad title. I would agree. Uh, but Jeff, um, I know, I know you'll probably won't watch this trailer until after you see the movie, but Holy hell, I really enjoyed this trailer. So I, I will say that for a movie I had very little excitement for other than James Mangold directing Indiana Jones. Sure. Yeah. Sign me up. It does look like James Mangold was like, oh, I'm making an Indiana Jones movie. OK, I'm going to have fun with this. And every, almost every shot of this movie looks incredibly fun to me. So I can't wait. Dave, did you watch the trailer? I haven't. Well, now now I don't think I was thinking of breaking my no trailer rules to watch this one. But um, just because I'm so curious, I mean. If you're, yeah, there, there there are these franchises that like, you know, I, I've sp- spoken very emotionally about like watching Andor. We talked about it last week on the After Dark, and like 
how Andor is a show that kind of restored my faith in Star Wars as a franchise. And that's been a very emotional process. I remember watching the first three episodes of Andor and being like, oh my gosh, a Star Wars show that I actually think is good again. Like that's yeah. actually very emotional for me because, mm-hmm. um, because I grew up with, it was such an important part of my upbringing, you know, to like watch Star Wars and love Star Wars. And the same is true of Indiana Jones. And the same thing happened with Indiana Jones Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which I really did not enjoy. It was the first movie this podcast ever reviewed. Yep. It was our premiere episode. Yeah. And, you know, it, it has left a kind of stain, you know, bad mm-hmm. taste in my mouth ever since. Not not the podcast, but the... Um, <laughs> the, the podcast has never recovered. <laughs> the podcast Every never episode recovered. since has been an attempt yeah. to fix that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really it's the first movie we ever discovered and there's been a terrible taste in my mouth this entire time. <laughs> um and so the and and even at the time like Indiana Jones was felt like he was a bit long in the tooth, right? Like mm-hmm. sure. it felt like Harrison Ford was too old at the time to be playing that role. So the idea that he is still playing Indiana Jones yeah. in this movie, I'm just like how could it be possibly good? Yep. You know, right. how could mm-hmm. it be good? But you seem really curious, Dave. You seem so so desperate for any any morsel, any tidbit well, if only of information there was a about movie, this movie. Uh, yeah. An entire film that could answer that question when you could yeah. just wait for that to happen. Yeah. Or yeah, that's that's happening in March. Or no, June, June thirtieth. You know what I have now, guys? That uh, that uh, I know you don't want, Jeff. But Dave, maybe you want some of this. I have <laughs> drug dealer. I have excitement. I have like, ooh, I have, my mind is reeling with the possibilities of what could happen in this movie just from the short glimpses of what I've seen so far. And say what you will about trailers. They serve a purpose, like yeah. for general audiences. Like they, that's how people go see movies. They're not nerds like us who get recommended things or like who follow all the film news. It's like, you see this in the theater. Do you get pumped for it or not? And if I saw this in my living room, I saw this trailer and I want to just get up and clap at the end. I was like, yes. This is what I want. More of this. Well, that's, so that's I heartening. Wait. I'm glad to hear yeah. that. Yeah. You know what Devinger has right now? CGI Princess Leia turning around and says, hope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hope. 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 Hope is important. Hope. We need it. Uh, well, that's Indiana Jones of the Dial of Destiny. I will, I will agree with you that it is a significantly less cool title well, than literally any of the other Indiana Jones movies. It is. In it, fact, bad. worse than most movie titles. Indeed. Dial yeah. of Destiny is Dial bad. of Destiny is bad. I I mean, The Last Crusade is one of the greatest, the greatest. subtitles yes. mm-hmm. in the history so of movies. So good. I mean, they, they've all had good subtitles. All of them. Temple of Doom. Temple yeah. of Doom's Crusade. great. Uh, Raiders yeah. of the Lost Ark. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, stuff. and Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is a bad movie, but it's a pretty killer title. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Dial of Destiny here, here, is so here, here, hokey. It's so hokey. Is there ever a movie where you've heard the title and the title is bad, and then you watch the movie and then the title is good? You know yeah. what I'm saying like, mm, I'm trying to imagine like question. worst movie titles of all time. You know, but like, uh, no, I like the like retroactively yeah. they were good thing. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's um, a, got a noodle on that. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think like what are the um, yeah. I, I'm looking up like worst movie titles of all time. Um, and there's very few of these that were actually good movies. <laughs> were actually right. good. <laughs> um, you know, Attack of the Clones is on here. Uh, I would say Attack of the Clones is a lot of fun, but I have no supporters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, um, Smoke and Aces. 
That's a good title. That is a pretty good title, though. Yeah, Smoking Aces is probably cool. Oh, oh, okay, 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 okay. Um, uh huh. Uh, Edge of Tomorrow. What do you think? What do you think? That was always a cool title. I don't think the title yeah. was a problem with that movie, even though I, they they literally retitled it. Love yeah. that movie. Yeah. Uh, uh, what about this? You know what? Here's the here's the here's the question, especially for you, Dave. I think most of the Mission Impossible subtitles are bad. Mm. Ghost mm. Protocol, or, or yeah, Ghost Protocol. That's not good. That's not good. Well, it's because you're not shortening them like the cool kids, Jeff. It's go to call. <laughs> okay. Uh, Rogue Rogue Nation. That's not good. I think that's pretty good. It's not that's good. Rogue good. Nation sounds it's pretty, pretty cool. good. Yeah. Fallout yeah. even is. It's just they're just uh, like they're just me. They're just Jeff, me. You're just getting me excited. The, the problem is listing these subtitles. <laughs> Dead Reckoning. I mean, the the Dead Reckoning Part One, Jeff. Oh um, man, Part One. Yeah, there's I more. Mean, the thing about Fallout is that uh, in the trailer for the movie Mission Impossible, and also uh, in the movie itself, the, the Sean Harris's character says, "You know, the fallout of all your good intentions." Right? Like that's something that, that would have been a good title. Mm, the fallout mm, of intentions. No, no. Wow. Fall, fall, fallout think, is I fine. I think we need to stop this conversation right here. <laughs> fallout that. is fine. Fallout is fine. But I, I have to say that. Literally, that phrase, the fallout of all your good intentions, um, is used like on a weekly basis in our household. Like, <laughs> like as someone, like, you know, like if I try to do something nice and it goes badly, you know, my wife will say, like, oh, hey, like, you know, this is the fallout of all your good intentions. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, so for that reason, I think that title is awesome because it's uh, used very frequently. Okay. It's a great title. Anyway, um, those are some thoughts on what we've been watching and the title of the new Indiana Jones movie. We're going to take a break, talk about some sponsors. We'll be back with more of the Filmcast. Hey, I got to jump in here and tell you about our sponsor, HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. You skip trips to the grocery store because HelloFresh makes home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. That's why it's my favorite meal kit. And I, I want to tell you something I, I don't usually say about HelloFresh. There was a couple of weeks when we were traveling and HelloFresh makes it easy to skip weeks if you need to. That's one of the things I like most about it. Super flexible. I skipped two weeks back to back. Okay. We were traveling. We missed HelloFresh so much in my house. We didn't know what to do with each other. We looked we're like, Oh, do we have to like, we have to actually come up with a menu? We have to go to the grocery store and get food? We missed all of the convenience, the fun, the better way of eating that HelloFresh has brought to our lives. This is the most festive time of the year. And HelloFresh is here to help make the most of every moment. From holiday hosting to dinners during busy weeknights, you can count on HelloFresh to deliver fresh ingredients and seasonal recipes. And tis the season to be saving money whenever you can. HelloFresh is cheaper than grocery shopping and 25% less expensive than takeout. So you can use those savings for holiday gifts or to treat yourself. And I'm telling you, we missed our HelloFresh big time. It's become a part of my life this season, every season. Because... HelloFresh helps me eat better amid all those holiday temptations. Meals have 20% fewer calories than takeout. We feel better. And they're still so full of flavor. They're delicious. I enjoy cooking for my family. And we have such a more variety in our 
menu. And as your calendar starts to fill up this season, like mine, you can count on HelloFresh to get you some of your free time back by making cooking simple and quick. Each recipe and pre-portioned ingredients comes right to your door, so you don't have to go to the grocery store. And uh, you don't have to worry about all that crazy prep. And I'm talking variety, over 35 recipes available to choose from every week. Something to please everyone. Family-friendly, fit and wholesome recipes, even veggie. Plus, you can easily customize your meals by swapping proteins or sides, upgrading your proteins, or even adding protein to a veggie meal. It's so simple. It's so great. Do it. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Filmcast18 and use code Filmcast18 for 18 free meals plus free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash Filmcast18 and code Filmcast18 for 18 free meals plus free shipping. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. This episode of the Filmcast is brought to you by Better help have you ever wished that life life came with a user manual i know i have a lot of things that i've encountered in my life that i just didn't know how to handle and unfortunately life doesn't come with a user manual so when it's not working for you it's normal to feel stuck navigating any of life's challenges can make you feel unsure whether it's a career change a new relationship, or becoming a parent. That's a big one for me. Man, therapy is a great way to navigate these challenges in life. And so many of us just don't do it because of logistics reasons. It's hard to go out. It's hard to find a therapist. It's hard to initiate the process. But as the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp, has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists. Available 100% online. Plus, it's affordable. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. And if things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. And really, it couldn't be simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash filmcast. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T. All right, folks, let's do some weekly plugs. Weekly Weekly Plugs is the part of the show each week where we talk about something else we've been making. I want to plug uh, the Decoding TV podcast. My wife and I have been covering The Crown season five. She has basically become a royals expert uh, and read bu- a bunch of books about <laughs> the you know ro- the royal family and so on uh, in order to be able to talk about what in The Crown the show is accurate and not. Um, we covered episodes 7, 8, 9, and 10 in a recent episode of Decoding TV. Check it out at podcast.decodingtv.com. Devinder Hardware, your weekly plug. <laughs> I want to shout out the latest episode of the Engadget podcast. We talked about the Kindle Scribe, which I think a lot of people have forgotten about. That's the first Kindle that you can actually uh, write on, take notes on. 
that's kind of cool. I've been I've been wanting an e-reader that could do that for a long while, and uh, I don't want to pay for the uh, Remarkable Two. So uh, it's kind of cool. Check it out. Uh, I think we're mostly positive on it. All right, that's the Avengers Weekly plug. Jeff, what are you laughing at? I'm, I, I I googled worst movie subtitles of all time, mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's some great ones, you guys. There's some really give, funny ones. Give us so uh-huh. there was a there's actually like a uh, something I was considering for the After Dark is like playing the subtitle game where like I read yeah. the subtitle and you try to guess the movie. But give it give us a couple of the worst movie subtitles of all time, Jeff. Okay, here's the here's some of the ones that. Made oh, me or actually, laugh. why don't you do it right now? Why don't you read the subtitle and let's see if we can guess the movie? How about that? All is right. That well, possible? here's I'll give you a couple okay. of easy gimmies to start. Okay. Uh, okay. Money never sleeps. Wall Street. Yeah. Is that Wall correct. Street? Yeah. Yeah. Good one. Yeah. Uh, um. How about uh, Cruise Control? Um, is that a Mission Impossible movie? Speed, no. man. Or what? Sp- speed? speed? Yeah, no, DaVinci got it. Speed okay, 2, nice. Cruise Control. Oh, oh I okay. remember. Okay, so wait, wait, hold on. Is this, is, this is part of the movie title, you're saying? It's the subtitle. It's, this, it's the sequel. Okay, it, yeah, yeah, okay so that's, Wall Street, that's yeah. Wall Street 2, Money Never Sleeps. Money Never Speed yeah. 2, Cruise Control. Okay, yeah. so it's, it's literally part. I thought we were talking about like log lines. I apologize. No, um, no, no, no. Oh, we yeah, used yeah. to do that on TRS. That's a, yeah, that's yeah, a yeah. really mm-hmm. fun game and hard. Yeah, 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 but yeah, yeah. Um, all of a sudden my thing won't scroll. What happened? Refresh. Okay. Um, so, but here, here I want to... <laughs> you guys some of the funniest ones there's some really funny ones um that there wouldn't be good to guess but are are really fun. so garfield a tale of two kitties that's pretty terrible oh, yeah. but here, classic he, classic yeah. yeah that's good that's good he, so dominion colon prequel to the exorcist yeah it's pretty yeah. funny who can forget that it's pretty funny how, how would you know what it is very very clear I mean, yeah. I, and Rambo First Blood Part Two is pretty funny if you think yeah, about it. Yeah, that's pretty good. First Blood Part Two is very funny. Um, uh-huh. But here are the ones that were actually making me laugh. <laughs> the Last Exorcism. Oh, oh sorry, uh, Jeff. Two. Jeff lecturing us on not looking at other things while you're recording the podcast. Now, <laughs> now he's watching. Well, you made subtitles. me do it. You made me. Oh yeah, I, I so, made you. I forced you into it. Here's yeah, okay. The Last Exorcism Part Two. two. Part Two. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. That's funny. And mm-hmm. this is the best one. This is what they rated as number one. The number one worst subtitle of all time. The Haunting in Connecticut 2 Ghosts of Georgia. I've seen that movie. <laughs> yeah. Wow. There are a lot of bad horror movies. That's hilarious. I, yeah. Haunting say... in Connecticut 2 Ghost of Georgia. <laughs> is there like a... Te- is there a town called Georgia in Connecticut? Maybe that no, is how it works. No, no. Okay. It's, no. it's literally yeah. in order to even accomplish this movie, there had to be a lot of travel. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ghosts mm-hmm. can travel too. Okay, I have to say my favorite current subtitle is uh, the show Pennyworth, which was originally just called Pennyworth, but has recently <laughs> been renamed Pennyworth: uh-huh. The Origin of Batman's Butler. I mean, that's a Dominion situation right there. How do you know what Pennyworth is about? Yeah, yeah. here's a couple yeah. of other real winners. Howling two colon, your sister is a werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's a good one. I like that one. And then uh, finally, a ginger dead man two, the mm-hmm. passion of the crust. Uh, horror wow. titles are good. Yeah. Horror titles are so good. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, All right, Jeff, you have used up your weekly plug spot. No, um, no, no. You're so... going to want me to do this. You're going to want me to do this. Okay. Okay. Jeff, here's my weekly plug. Your weekly plug. My weekly plug. I did this on on DLC as well uh, this week, and uh, which is a show you can find at fiveby5.tv/dlc. Uh, it's about video games. It's really good. Um, but I did this at the end for our parting gift on that show. 
And it, you know, it's a little self-serving, but I, I think it's, it might be useful. I find in my old age that uh, I, when, when family members ask me what I want for Christmas or, or the holidays, I find it to be stressful and not fun anymore. When I was a kid, what do you want? Oh, I gotta make my Christmas list. Oh my gosh, so exciting. Uh, but now a family member says, hey, uh, what, what would you like for the holidays? I find it very stressful. I, I don't know. I don't want anything. Anything that I want is too expensive to ask for because if I wanted something that was in the like 20 to 30, 40, $50 range, whatever it is, I, I'm just gonna get it for myself. I'm not like, I'm not, there's no, there's nothing I want, okay? It's stressful. Don't get me, I always say, don't get me anything. But I thought, hey, you know, actually a good thing to do that I might not ever get around to getting myself is supporting people that I listen to on podcasts, support someone's Patreon. Now we have a Patreon. And so I humbly submit, if you are looking for a holiday gift suggestion to tell to your family and you are like me and you have a hard time coming up with things for yourself, why not? And again, again, this is a little self-serving, but why not? It doesn't even have to be us. I think it would be great if it was us. And I humbly submit, you may consider us, just ask for a, a couple of months of a Patreon subscription to your favorite creators as a holiday gift. And then you get to get some extra bonus content. You'll feel good supporting the show and you give uh, a great gift suggestion to a loved one. So that is my weekly plug is, hey, patreon.com slash filmcast pod. Film podcast. That Film also, <laughs> I was suggesting you help somebody else. No, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't yeah, know. Unfor unfortunately, uh, Patreon does not have a gifting feature yet, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, but I'm hoping that it will come well, soon. You, uh, yeah. you, you register under somebody else's name. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Use their identity, yes. use their steal, social and the credit card. Steal their uh -huh. identity. Steal their face. Yeah, yeah. Make sure yeah. it's a recurring payment. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I just think it's a good idea. I think it's a, I, th I would like that for myself. Yeah. Because it's like, it, sometimes you you listen to the podcast and you say to yourself, oh, oh I would like to support those fine fellows that are making that mm -hmm. wonderful show or, you know, in this case, fellows, but people. And uh, and then you never get around to it, right? It, you, it, you, one thing, you just never get around to going to Patreon. But, you know, if you have uh, the impetus of a gift, I think that's great. I, w I wish Patreon had gifts support, you know, that'd be great. Do you know yeah. what? Uh, yeah, I, I, I do think it, it is coming um, because yeah. many other platforms that do similar things have that. And so mm -hmm, they're mm -hmm. they're falling behind. But, um, you know, since we are this since this is the podcast episode of major tangents, I do want this to, one is <laughs> I do want to mention to you that. Um, all right. So back in the early days when Spotify started doing podcasts. Um, you know, I, I have many issues with Spotify as an organization. Like, I, I, I don't like a lot of what they're doing. Um, but, uh, you know, but I, I do enjoy their wrapped things at the end of the year. And back when, in the early days of Spotify, like, there was no system where you could, like, submit uh, your podcast Spotify and, you know, and so on. Um, and so, like, the company that we would work with to host the podcast, they would submit the podcast, right? And then over time, it's like, oh, now I don't have access to the podcast on the Spotify backend. Well, now I have access now. Um, and I specifically claimed the film cast in Spotify just so I could get the Spotify wrapped for podcasters this year. Um, and uh, I wanted to share some stats with you guys. 
Oh, nice. Uh, about the okay. from the Spotify stats. Um, according to Spotify Wrapped, we created fifty one hundred minutes of new content <laughs> this wow. year on the Filmcast, which is more than ninety eight percent of other creators in the TV and film category. Suck it, other uh, creators. <laughs> that is not including the After Darks. So I would wow. have to say only like, macro. With the After Darks, it'd probably be because Spotify doesn't support private podcasts, which is one That's reason incredible. I don't like them very much. Yeah. So um yeah, that, that, you've got to add, I don't know, a lot of minutes. 60 yeah. times 50, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, anyway, uh, I just wanted to to, to, sh- to share that primarily as uh, one stat with you. Our most popular episode, according to Spotify, was the Batman episode that we did, um, which is no surprise. That was a great um, movie, too. And uh, according to some people on the year? podcast. <laughs> I know, right? That Batman movie like... came out in this year? Yep. Man. Uh, and finally, people in 88 countries listen to the Filmcast. Wow. Primarily in the United States, Canada, United Kingdom, Australia, and Germany. Those are the top. Nice. So anyway, um, if you've been part of, uh, if you've listened to the podcast, we really appreciate it. And if you support the podcast at patreon.com slash filmpodcast, we really appreciate it. Um, sign up there for ad-free episodes and exclusive after arcs. Give yourself something nice there you this go. year. There you go. Is what Jeff Kanata is yes. So. Uh, anyway, uh, and, uh, and of course it's always possible to support this podcast without donating anything. Um, all you got to do is leave a star rating or uh, a review. And actually I think we're uh, on Spotify itself. We're like 4.9 stars out of five. So thanks to everyone who has been, uh, submitting reviews for us there. We really appreciate it, but yeah, leave a star rating, share about the podcast. We appreciate all of that stuff. Find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash at the filmcast pod. Share about us there. We really appreciate it. That really does help us out a lot. Okay, that's it for Weekly Plugs. Let's get to our review of Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery. Hello! Oh my god! Crew, we've arrived! Disruptors have assembled! Welcome, gang. We got a great weekend. Who's that? Benoit Blanc, the detective? Mr. Blanc. I cannot overstate my gratitude to be here. When's the murder mystery start? I've invited you all to my island. Hi. Because tonight, a murder will be committed. My murder. Once you're dead, will we still be able to talk to you? Yeah, I'm not playing dead the whole weekend, dude. This is truly delightful. Welcome to the film cast. This is our review of Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery, I'm David Chen here with Devinder Hardware and Jeff Kanata. Here is the plot summary of Glass Onion, a Knives Out Mystery from IMDb. Famed Southern detective Benoit Blanc travels to Greece for his latest case. So, Devinder Hardware, <laughs> obviously we are big fans of Ryan Johnson here on the podcast. Ryan Johnson has appeared on the podcast for yeah. every single film he's done since We're, we're a little tainted Boom. with the Ryan Johnson stuff. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yes. Uh, we, you can definitely smell Ryan Johnson's taint on this podcast. <laughs> um, it's but, been that way for years, yeah. Uh, but uh, And hopefully we'll, we'll welcome him back again sometime in the near future. But uh, putting that aside, you know, mm-hmm. uh, this is a follow-up to a very successful movie where Ryan Johnson in Knives Out 1 tried to take the classic uh, closed circle mystery and reinvent it for the modern age. And he did so very, very successfully with Knives Out 1. Um, here, it's a little bit more ambitious. It's uh, one. It's a mystery that where the people are traveling and they're on an exotic island. Um, the number of characters seems to be more sprawling. Uh, the 
level of storytelling, the depth, the complexity, the layers, it all seems the more cameos, ambitious. Everything. The cameos, it seems more yeah. ambitious than last time. <laughs> so I am curious, how well did Glass Onion and Knives Up Mystery work for you, Devendra? I think incredibly well. I've seen this movie twice Whoa. by this point because I saw it in the theaters and then uh, my wife wanted to see it again. So we watched it together and uh, I, I freaking love it. I think it is a complete blast, a ton of fun, uh, incredibly well-written, but also a, something I did not expect, but like a full on takedown of people like Elon Musk and tech billionaires and things like that. And as somebody who covers a lot of this stuff and has to pay way too much attention to what these people are saying. I found a lot of that uh, very hilarious and insightful. Um, I think this movie is a ton of fun. The core mystery is really, really well done. And I think everyone is just like, it feels like everyone is having fun making this movie. And I kind of love anything like that. So it feels like Ryan Johnson is like really just firing on all cylinders here, um, just with the level of the mystery here. And also Daniel Craig just feels like he's like, I'm not Bond anymore. I could just relax. I can like go on vacation, do other things. And like, I just feel everybody is like giving us their A game here. Dave Batista, hilarious as usual. I think the uh, my MVP of this movie is Janelle Monae because I love her in general in anything. Um, I think she's a tremendous singer. Um, and I think what she does here is really, really interesting and fascinating too. So yeah, I love this movie. All right. Devendra loved it. Jeff Kanata, what did you think of Glass Onion and Eyes Up Mystery? Well, Dave, <laughs> I guess you could say what I felt about Glass Onion and Eyes Up Mystery is best summed up in the form of a limerick. The title rolls trippingly off the tongue, I think. Indeed it does, indeed it does. Knives Out was certainly one hit that was so incredibly fun, it deserved a sequel. Glass Onions, it's equal. It could only have been done, no, it could only been done, sorry, god damn it. Hey, I wouldn't do this. God damn it. (laughs) God damn it, why do I add words that aren't there? Knives Out was certainly one hit that was so incredibly fun. It deserved a sequel. Glass Onions, it's equal. It could only have been Ryan who done it. Oh, nice. 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 That was no, very I good. Ruined it. That was I really did. No, it was that's that's one of your strongest ones, Jeff. I really mm-hmm. like that. I love the movie as well. Uh, he is a genius. And if he only ever makes Benoit Blanc mysteries for the next 50 years, I I would be happy. I will be happy. Like this is a James Cameron avatar situation. If if he wants to just make these kinds of movies, <laughs> nobody is making these. Nobody's mm-hmm. making modern mysteries, and he's so good at it. It's so genius. I do think I Kenneth, Kenneth Branagh is like, "Hello, sir. I'm remaking well, all." Yeah, but that, that doesn't take yeah. place in modern day. It doesn't. And they're also doesn't. adaptations. Yeah. These are original. Yeah. Original. So good. Brilliant. I don't know how you write something like this. I don't know the the. The the puzzle boxiness of it, the layers, the it is so brilliant. And my favorite thing about this movie, which we really need to get into in spoilers, is is how it subverts expectations. Yeah, because you think you know what this movie is going to be, uh, and you don't. And I love it. I love it. I love how he knows that you think you know, and he knows. What he's he, he you are in the hands of a master who is toying with you and playing with you the whole time. I will say there is something at the end that I did very much did not like. I think you guys can probably predict what it is. We'll get to that in spoilers. All that nanotech in the movie, this, but anyway, the, the when Daniel Craig gets that helmet that just materializes over <laughs> his head. Um, 
But so much of this movie is absolutely delightful. It's so fun. It's so funny. It's so smart. It has so many surprises in store. There's so many people in it that you just enjoy watching. It, it, it is. It, it has great uh, sort of visual flair. There's fun ideas everywhere. It, it is. It just. It's. There's. You know, we're in the middle of of, of sort of award season y time. So I guess my current opinion is skewed slightly by that in that in feeling like there's nothing fun in the movies right now. Everything is like <laughs> there's a lot of like serious, yeah, serious and stuff, heavy yeah. and intense. And, you know, yeah, Jeff is really looking some... forward to our review of Bones and all next week. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I enjoy... Listen, I like movies that are, you know, I, I loved women talking, right? That's a great yeah. movie. But it's really nice to go to the movies, which I did here. I, you know, I went to the yeah. movies to see Glass Onion. It's great to go to the movies and just have a blast. Yeah. Just have a vacation. great time. Yeah. Yes. It does feel like a vacation. Uh, and, and the people in the movie are on vacation. And so you feel like you're on vacation with them. And it, it's just so much fun and so surprising and so smart. And I, I, I want Benoit Blanc to have as many iterations as... Uh, uh, you know, as, as, as mission impossibles, you know, I, I just want this series to keep going and going mm -hmm, and going. Cause mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's great. Uh, I really enjoyed the film as well. I think, uh, you, you do a great job of summing it up, Jeff, about how, like, I think Ryan Johnson's whodunit mysteries are in dialogue with what the audience understands about whodunit mysteries. Yes. Right. That, he knows what you expect from whodunit mystery and he will actively try to subvert that at most turns. And I really like that. It's very clever. The movie does a lot of clever things. And as you said, Devendra, it, it does like, <laughs> as I was watching this in the theater, like a couple weeks ago was like week three of the Elon Musk takeover of Twitter. <laughs> how, <laughs> yeah, how, yeah. how happy Perfect. is Ryan Johnson? Perfect. Like yeah. just, it could not have <laughs> synced up. I mean, he's been working on this movie for what, two years. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of evidence to, to tell. Yeah. Like, yeah, some yeah. people are very dumb. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm also going to put this out there. The re really random observation. Mm -hmm. um, but I liked that this movie dealt with COVID. It did. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This movie had like people wearing masks. Like there's, a, there's a, at least one scene where they're like all wearing masks and it's like, yeah. wow, he had a scene where they're all like cover. He covered up the faces of these and like literally, stars. Yeah, yeah. He literally wrote, you know, May, 2020. Like it's, it, this mm -hmm. is like a historical. And yeah. it's funny to hear you say that Dave, because I was thinking about you when I was watching that, because I remember distinctly you saying like, I don't want to see a bunch of movies that have to deal with COVID. I, I don't want, I have to deal with COVID. Great, great David Chet yeah. impression, by the way. That's really uh, awesome. I don't want to see. <laughs> <laughs> Tim Robinson over here, yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? Don't you remember the, the, yeah, the, that, remember no, that notion of like, oh, we're going to see everybody's take on COVID. And here, it does feel like, oh, it's kind of awesome that this movie acknowledges mm -hmm. it's set, is set in that time period. The and, way but, some people ignore it is a character. Yeah. Well, for yeah. It's a character. Yeah. It's a characteristic. And, and yeah. also, like, based, I don't think when Ryan Johnson was shooting this, that he knew that basically people would be like, screw masks, we're all going back to normal afterwards. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, I think like, this is, as you put it, Jeff, this is now a historical document. Like, um, we're, we're going to be like, no one's ever going to make a movie like this again, I don't think, unless there's another pandemic and we change our practices or whatever. Like, um, hey, there was a time when people wore masks and it was awkward sometimes when you had to negotiate it. And I yeah. just like that it, it captured that, you know, that was cool. Right. So, 
Um, <laughs> but yes, Jeff, this is not a movie that was about COVID in that way. So. No, I know, but yeah. I, I do. Yeah. I love mm-hmm. that now it has become this like nice little thing that's in a movie rather than mm-hmm. uh, I, uh, even the know, way like they handle it. And maybe we'll talk more about that in spoilers, yeah. but the way they handle it in general, I think yeah. is really smart and fun. I yeah. do think that um, the movie is a little bit more shaggy than the first one. Like the first one felt like very tightly constructed and this one takes a lot of detours Yes. Um, for, for fun, Ryan Johnson flights of fancy Yes. and it is fun. They are fun, but it's also like the movie is less, tightly constructed because of it and it is ends up being i think two hours and 20 minutes long or something like that um so it's not as like mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't feel as propulsive as the first one did for me but the mystery is still really smart a lot of things yeah. about it are still really smart um so i still ended up really enjoying it love the themes as well it's a fun time at the movies you my guys crowd like I, I wish more people had a chance to see it in theaters but i saw it in a mostly full like saturday night crowd and people were like loving it like fully yeah. on board fully in tune with what the movie yeah. was doing that's and awesome I don't have, we don't get those experiences very often. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. All right. Um, well, folks, let's talk about spoilers for Glass Onion and Eyes Out Mystery starting right now. Now you're looking for the secret. Can I see this coming? No. But you won't find it because, of course, you're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret. You want to be fooled. All right. Uh, I wrote down a list of really fun, clever stuff that uh-huh. this movie does, right? Yeah. Um, my wife is obsessed with Agatha Christie yeah. uh, novels and stories. She, she literally listens to multiple Agatha Christie podcasts. Um, so she's like an Agatha Christie expert, basically. And she helped me point out some of these things. So like some of this comes from her, but mm-hmm. one of the big things about uh, Agatha Christie mysteries, that's a challenge is the main character. The protagonist is usually the detective and he or she usually doesn't change very much over time. Right. Right. right like right. they, they're static, but like it's everything else around them. It changes. So it's difficult to have a whodunit, where the main character is the detective and the protagonist and have it be interesting because mm. it's like that character's not really going through a journey. So this movie gets around that by having two protagonists, which I thought was pretty clever, right? Well, I think I think the function of a Benoit Blanc yeah. mystery is for Benoit Blanc to empower another character. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was the same. The first mm-hmm. movie basically did exactly that. Exactly the yeah. same. Yeah. Yeah. I think oh, yeah. that's, yeah. The, that's yeah. the trope, is that this isn't about Benoit Blanc solving the mystery as much as it is about Benoit Blanc uh, helping another character mm-hmm. solve their own mystery. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so that was clever. Uh, the Obviously, the Janelle Monet reveal that she's playing a twin and that it's yeah. two characters is very fun. Um, so good, so but, good. Like but that that, all- that cut by the way like when she was shy i was like oh no are we are we gonna do this and then like another then my sister also killed is this movie gonna kill donelmo day twice <laughs> <laughs> break my heart my favorite i do, I do yeah. think that the movie kind of like has a has have a have its cake and eat it too oh, like, for sure. Sure, sure, sure i almost sure. thought i almost thought like oh like is the movie gonna be about benoit blanc dealing with the yeah. guilt and consequences of having gotten Janelle Monet right, killed. Right, right. Because we go a long time in that flashback before we get to her actually being alive. Yeah. Saved by her sister's like leather booklet, which is fun. Yeah. I, I agree. I, it does have feel like a have your cake and eat it too, but I'm having so much fun by that point mm-hmm. that I don't even care. I love and, the cake. And, yeah. yeah, it's great cake. Exactly. Um, And 
But before that, for me, the, the best moment of the entire movie is, um, oh, are we playing the game now? Okay, I'll solve it. Uh, yeah, th yeah, that yeah, like, yeah. which you think is going to be the whole movie is mm -hmm. investigating the island, and oh, you you're certain he's gonna die, and it's gonna be mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. that trope that we've seen so many times. I've done. I literally did a Dungeons and Dragons module <laughs> that was this exact thing. Is like, yeah. come to the house and do the murder mystery. Oh, he's actually murdered. It's such a trope that Dungeons and Dragons has done it, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> and you just think, oh, I know exactly the form this movie is going to take and then immediately he's like okay did we start okay i'm the world's greatest detective i already figured out your <laughs> dumb move. little yeah, game yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. so brilliant so i kind of to just I honestly throw it away I, I expected that the movie would do that and the reason i love ryan johnson movies is that he is just he is in my brain like he if i were to make like a super smart detective movie like yeah yeah throw people off entirely and do something completely different of course he did it it's amazing yeah. well on that note, like there's there's so many other like little subversive moments. So like the big one being you see Janelle Monet bash open the box mm -hmm. in the yeah. beginning of the movie. Yeah. And then then you see like Benoit Blanc like getting a box. Yeah. So you, you don't but you don't see it. You, you see someone's yeah, like, you hey, hear it's at the door. Yeah, somebody who sounds very familiar to somebody too. here yeah. is with a box. By the way, I couldn't tell if that was Hugh Grant playing himself. Yeah. Uh if it was actually Hugh Grant or not. just somebody who lived with Benoit Blanc. Hugh Grant um, is playing the character of Philip. Got it. So I believe um, we're to believe that Hugh Grant and Daniel Craig are in a relationship in this yes, movie. Got yes, it. Got it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so then you're like, well, so Benoit Blanc got a box, and you're like, well, the one person he didn't get it from is Janelle Monet because mm -hmm. she bashed she her box open. Hers. She bashed so the whole thing open. I, the and then he hides certain things so, so perfectly. Good. Right. Yeah. And then it's like, and then it's like, oh, actually, it was Janelle Monet because you didn't mm -hmm. see him get the box. Yep. And then, uh, of course, there's this whole speech where. Uh, Daniel Craig is like, you know, he gets an invitation, but from a mystery person. And you're like, wow, so one of these people invited Benoit Blanc to the mystery, but it was like he invited himself. So brilliant. And so there's just so many like little things like that where it's like, you think you know, you're like, oh, well, I know that that's a trope of this thing where like, he says an anonymous invitation is nothing to be trifled with, which is a very funny line. Uh, but it's like, he invited himself. And it's like, that's... It all, it just stuff. connects so beautifully. Like that that is what yeah. I love. It is an intricate uh you know clockwork here happening. Um what do you guys think about all the celebrity cameos? Cuz I did see people complaining about that and I almost felt like he's almost having fun with the idea of like yeah. when when Yo-Yo Ma shows up to explain a very crucial plot point. It's like he knows what he's doing. Of course. And it's kind of fun. Uh, the little I mean, he's, Zoom meeting with he's two on a people Zoom who are call, dead now. Yeah. On a Zoom call with Stephen Sondheim and yep. Angela yeah. Lansbury. You know, it's and like Natasha Leone. It's, come it's, on. It's fun. It's, it's so brilliant. much fun. I, I saw people complaining that it was like, uh, what's it? The What's his name? The political filmmaker um, who makes us political comedies. Um, it, it does not Armando like Inucci? No, <laughs> no. American dude. American dude. He just did the disaster movie whose name I just can't remember. Oh, uh, um, old Saturday Night Live guy. Uh, what's his name? Cultural impact. He just he just did a movie. With he just did. He just did. Don't look up. Right. Yeah. Don't look up. Oh, um, Adam McKay. Adam yeah. McKay. Adam McKay. Yeah. A lot of people are like, this is very much Adam McKay in the sort of like vibe, the sort of like bluntness of the political commentary, especially early on in this movie. Mm. And I, I just didn't feel that at all. Like I was having fun with the celebrity cameos because they they kind of functioned exactly like you'd want them to. It was like, hey, that's funny. I know that person. It didn't lean on that too much. Yeah. Uh, it, it felt a bit much to me. 
I'll just say, <laughs> I'll just say it felt a bit much to me. Oh, I figured. I figured. That's but, why I'm but, bringing it up. Um, yeah. Because it does add significantly to the runtime of the movie, you know? And mm-hmm. it's like, it's it's qu- theoretically it significant? Inis- inessential to the movie. It's not that long. Um, the but, Hugh Grant thing is like 30 seconds. Like, it's... Yeah, but like, you, there, there's the Hugh Grant thing. There's and, Well, anyway, mm-hmm. I, I guess um, here's what I am happy about, right? Yeah. Is that like... I think right, like the reason these people decided to participate in this movie is because they all love yeah. Knives Out One and or Ryan Johnson, right? Yeah, exactly. And so he has become an internationally beloved and respected figure. Um, and if he has the option to shove a bunch of cameos in there, yeah. why not? Why not? Why not? Like, if um, I was in his all situation, flex. This movie if I was all in his flex. situation, yeah. I would probably do the same. So I can't, <laughs> I can't fault him for it. But I don't know that it, in my opinion, I don't know that it makes the movie better. Um, that's all I'm saying. I don't so, think it necessarily does, but it does feel like it is. The, this movie has so many levels of flexing going on. Like that is that is sort of like, mm-hmm. yeah, your mom's your mom's just going to pop up and just explain yeah. this very very important part of the puzzle. Well, also it, like, it, it, it adds to the notion. It adds to the the mythology of Benoit Blanc and yeah, the other characters. Yeah. Right, Kate, Kate Hudson's character is the yeah. kind of person that hangs out in a pandemic pod with yo-yo ma you know exactly. it's like that's the <laughs> yeah. kind of person she, it's it adds color to those characters the, you know, benoit blanc is so famous that he gets on a call with kareem abdul jabbar and stephen sondheim so you know good. it's like so mm-hmm. good. you know that's that's awesome i, I think ethan, it does ethan hawk something. shows up to immunize everyone which i thought was so kind of, funny inoculate so everyone funny. which is pretty and cool, even the know? the whole like a uh, great little cameo there but the the way they go about that is just like hey covid solved for the rest of the movie okay? <laughs> yeah. of course the rich people got this got this device that could just fix it that reminds me of when like this stuff started happening right and everybody i knew at google and a lot of other places got these like crazy ass tests like at home pcr level yeah. tests yes. that cost a crap ton of money nobody else had that but all <laughs> right. these people like immediately got this stuff from their like, yeah. high level tech companies yeah 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 um anyway uh i like the serena the, uh, williams cameo too where she's <laughs> like uh is money gonna it's your yeah, money yeah. <laughs> that's so funny <sighs> yeah but I, okay so dave my issue with this movie my yeah, biggest what's, your, what's the thing that bothered my you? biggest yeah. issue with this movie and you guys might make fun of me for it but I really, really had a hard time with the fact that we're supposed to applaud the destruction of the Mona Lisa. I don't know if mm-hmm. we're supposed to applaud it. I th- it's yeah. the it's the win. It's the master stroke. It's it it mm-hmm. takes down our our bad guy. Mm-hmm. It's it's what Benoit Blanc wanted her to do. It's what she did. It it, it, it running and hitting the button to reveal the priceless mm-hmm. artifact. And it's in the in the context of the movie, we're taking it away from him, but we're also taking it away from humanity and it really bothers uh-huh. me it really it's, bothers me it, it genuinely yeah, I, bothers me i don't I, I don't see that yeah yeah because, i'm curious i'm curious well, well here let's explore deeper let's, why, let's go deeper let's why go deeper. jeff yeah. does it bother because for me the, the mona lisa in reality was not destroyed right so yeah. it's just like it was it wasn't <laughs> How it was so real Mona Lisa. Yeah. Oh, you're saying because it's just a movie. In our real, yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, but in the context of the movie, we are to believe that the real yeah. Mona Lisa was destroyed. Mm-hmm. Right. And if mm-hmm. I'm buying the fiction of the movie, which is the job of watching a movie, yeah. uh, then I am to believe that the 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 hero, the protagonist, the the person I am to root for, her master stroke in taking down this bad guy was to destroy a priceless human artifact yeah. she like didn't a, really have many choices did she well it doesn't right? that's not about that, like, that yeah, that's that, that's what it's that that's kind of the thing yeah, so because she's pressured into the situation because like we got the evidence got the napkin and like he will do his thing and just destroy it and 
the sheer weight of his power and his legal, you know, his money and everything means that nothing will ever happen to this guy. So, mm. so Jeff, um, I, I, my guess is you, you like revere the Mona Lisa as like no, a great work no. of art or, or, I, or, or I think or the, just, I, you, you, don't, you don't want anything that advocates the destruction of art in general, sure. I guess. Is that, well, yes, I don't think that I, I, I think that if this were to happen in real life, the destruction of the Mona Lisa would be a loss to humankind. Mm-hmm. I think the idea of like, let's blow up the great pyramids or let's destroy the whatever, you know, it doesn't matter what the thing is. Mm-hmm. If our hero's great solution to the problem is to eliminate an antiquity is to mm-hmm. destroy mm-hmm. something that yeah. has value culturally to our, to, to the people beyond the characters in this movie I have a hard time getting behind that. I think it, yeah. I think that would be a massive, horrible thing for the world. My thing is, uh, it wasn't just done for fun. It's sort of like this guy, what this guy was doing. Like, let's not forget his evil villain plot, which is essentially put hydrogen gas in people's homes. It's like <laughs> the only thing that could stop him because all of his friends are spineless and nobody's going to say no to the tech billionaires. It'd be like, look what he did. Look what this technology did. It killed the Mona Lisa. And like, the greater good is that, yeah, maybe this technology doesn't roll out and potentially kill more a lot, like kill people like that. That was, I think the moral logic there, but also I've been thinking about this in terms of like the, the eco activism we're seeing. And uh, I kind of have come to the point where it's like, you know what? Yeah. If people are going to freaking listen because somebody throws some mashed potatoes on a painting and now you're going to pay attention to climate change. Sure. Sure. Do it. Uh, because we, we are kind of hurtling towards destruction right now. And so many people are like completely ignoring it. So I've also been thinking about this, Jeff, and I am also thinking like fine art is good. It's great. It's great that it's existed for so long. But we also there there's things people could do for messaging where it's like, I know people don't agree with this, but if somebody's trying to make a, a, an actual statement that could save lives and help save our planet, I'm not going to fault them too much for that. And it hurts well, my heart when I when I think of like, you know, um, invading armies just taking pot shots at priceless sure. works of art all the, the these things that we've heard, we know have happened countless incredible works of 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 human ingenuity uh, um, of art and 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 beauty have been wasted for what and and i think that's what i thought at the end of this movie is like that was wasted for what it, that's to save what it took. the world. That's though. what it took for all yeah, the other yeah. people in the room. It was wasted to save the world. All it, but it was it was only to convince all the other people in the room to say they saw it. They could have just said no. They the they truth. said it before. They said it before. But the thing that would actually make the rest of the world pay attention is like this idiot destroyed the Mona Lisa. Like his fuel technology did it. So that's why I, I yeah I didn't feel too bad about that. If I'm to stretch real hard here. And I don't know if this is even something that Ryan Johnson would agree with, but I think like if I look at his work for the last, you know, five, 10 years, a lot of it is about reinvention. A lot of it yes. is about like, forget the past, kill it if you have to. Like, no, I, um, there I, are I no was, that was not cows. lost on me. Right. That there was are, not there lost are no on. sacred mm-hmm. cows. Like, like yeah. art should be a constant process of reinvention and redoing and refining. And yes, we revere and are inspired by those that have come before us, but like we are ultimately forging a new path and making our own thing, you know? So, and I think that's a wonderful message and it's one I totally get behind in The Last Jedi, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I, 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 you know, and I, 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 like I said, it was not lost on me. I just found that moment uh, where we're supposed to cheer that she made it. She got there to to destroy the thing. I was like, but I don't, I don't like that she destroyed that. That's not... 
mm-hmm. win. I mean, it's not it's not great. It's not you know, yeah. kind of not that there are many options there. One thing I want to point out before we wrap though is I do want to just just give give Ryan Johnson some props for like consistently centering women of color and kind of making them making them heroines in so many ways because it's not just it's this it's the first knives out it's freaking last jedi too like it took that movie for an asian woman to be like a major to play a major role in a star wars movie and i think that's great this is what allyship is all right well at the end of the day it's pretty impressive that ryan johnson made a movie uh, that's going to bring us to the end of this week's episode of the podcast. You can find more episodes of the show at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Find us on TikTok, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, at thefilmcastpod. Uh, this episode uh, was uh, has a theme song written by Tim McEwen from The Midnight. Check out his band, Varsity Blue. Uh, our weekly plugged music comes from Noah Ross. Our spoiler bumper comes from filmmaker and YouTuber Kyle Corwith. Uh, and next week on the podcast... We are going to be discussing Bones and All, mm-hmm. the new Luca Guadagnino movie. Yummy. Um, so lots to dive into there. It will be on video on demand, I think, on the 13th, December 13th. So if you can watch it in theaters maybe this week or watch it on video on demand next week and you hear our review here on thefilmcast.com. Uh, a, a huge shout out again to everyone who is a supporter of us at patreon.com slash filmpodcast. Get yourself something nice. For the holidays this year, support your favorite show. Uh, Until next week, we'll see you later. Thanks. Thanks.